Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. And I'm Adam Johnson. And today we're going to be talking about Hoop Dreams from 1994, which received a single nomination at the 67th Academy Awards for Best Film Editing, which is pretty silly because uh, obviously it's one of the most acclaimed documentaries of the 90s and one of the most acclaimed sports documentaries of all time. Uh, the reason we're doing this this film today is because, <clears throat> well, we're recording this on Friday night, but Sunday, when you, when you can listen to this, it is the last day of the NBA regular season. Uh, if you know Connor, he's not the biggest basketball fan, so we figured we'd kind of uh, do something a little different here. It's Adam's first time on Oscar Sunday. He's my brother, and I'd say our biggest bonding point is is basketball. Has been for a long, long time. So doing Hoop Dreams, a movie we both we both really like, just seemed to make sense. And we're both very excited for the playoffs, which start on April 16th. So almost, you know, about a week out. Uh, and we can't wait. Uh, just, just for some fun, uh, you know, the playoffs are still not totally set. But I want to hear just off the bat, let's do a little basketball talk. What, what are you thinking with the, uh, the, like, who's coming out of the West? Who's coming to the East? You know, the East is very jumbled up. You know, the Heat have taken the one seed, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. at 52 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's just kind of these teams, you know, from, I would say from, you know, Boston, Philly, all the way down to like Cleveland and Brooklyn. These are some, some good basketball teams. Toronto. Yeah. Toronto's, yeah, on a surge. Yeah. Um, they, they barely won tonight against the fucking Houston Rockets. But uh, yeah, it's the East is kind of this new conference that, that has been bad for the past, you know, 20 years or so. And now they're on, they're on kind of a rise and. What, what do you think? I think the Suns are safe to say. Suns are clearly the yeah. favorite in the West with everyone healthy. And I mean, yeah, they, they are clearly, clearly, clearly the favorite in the West. And the favorite to win the title, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, but yeah, the East playoffs, I was talking about that with our cousin uh, Zach today at, at a little part-time thing I've been doing with working with him. Um, I Yeah, it's, it's going to be the most open Eastern Conference playoffs. And there's been other years where it's like slightly open, but high quality plus open. It's ha- that hasn't happened since the 80s. I mean, I mean, that sounds crazy, but it's like, you know, the combination of the two of high quality teams, plus it being like relatively open. Um, there's been really high quality teams, but only like one or two, you know, but there's five mm. or six you could legitimately see coming out of the conference. And I don't, it's hard to make a call until I see the matchups and how the, the brackets kind of break out because it's going to be a rock, paper, scissors thing. And then Boston, if they can avoid some of the heavy hitters in that first round and play Chicago in the first, round, which it looks like they're going to do. And then they get Robert Williams back in the second round. I think Boston can make the finals, but my kind of suspicion, I, 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 the Philly thing could go one of one of two ways. They could be a disaster. They could lose in the first round of the Toronto Raptors, or I could see them putting it together, playing that kind of playoff style. You know, getting their shooters, you know, back healthy and ready to roll, and like make a little run because Embiid and Harden, you know, could be that good. But Harden has had so many playoff flameouts that it's like it's hard to really believe in them as an actual Finals contender. Plus, they're gonna be on the road after the first round, so. I don't know. I, I still think Milwaukee's the safest bet. So a repeat of last year's finals of Bucks and Suns, I think is the safest bet. Um, but the matchups are going to be huge in, ter- in terms of how uh, the East shakes out and see who really could actually make it. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the playoffs. I mean, and also, I mean, you said, you know, the playoffs start April 16th, but we have those playing games yeah. before that. They start yeah. Tuesday. Um, so just a couple days away, which I, I'm super excited for too, because, you know, our hometown team, the San Antonio Spurs, are going to yes. be in it again. Yes. going to be in it again. Yeah, we have a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. A to, small chance. To yes. play the Suns or the Grizzlies. Dang it, destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, just be the Suns. We can't get up to seven. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. we're because we're in the back. Yeah. yeah so the back of the bus. The AC is the highest the Spurs can climb, and they would get absolutely demolished by the Suns. But if we made it, I would like to go to a playoff game, and that'd be kind of cool. So Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's it's always great uh, to get that experience when your players don't have it, you know, from yeah. from Murray to Jakob. Oh, well, Murray has some. 
Yeah, but does he really as the you know as the guy? Oh no, you no, know, no. Um, you know, Jakob uh, would it would be great for him to get a go against you know DeAndre Aiden, uh, Kelvin Johnson to get some chances at at, at uh you know Mikel Bridges and Devin Booker. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. Uh, yeah, I think we lose in four or five, but um, probably yeah. four. Four if it's Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. So, no, so yeah, Phoenix is is um an all time great team. They really are. This yeah. regular season, they've gone through injuries, they've gone through all kinds of adversity and yet people don't really talk about them in the general media they rather talk about the lakers who have just kind of sucked all year and i think they like it that way yeah i think monty williams and, and company they like it that way so yeah I, I i'm with you i think the bucks are like the safest pick it's kind of boring to just but but they have the best player they have Giannis on their on their side a guy who obviously has proven himself but i i think i'm with you with boston if robert williams comes back and is 100 i'm choosing them They've got this tiny window. Yeah. This tiny, tiny window with, with Tatum and Brown and all these guys. And, you know, Marcus Smart uh, and, of course, Emi Udoka, a former Spur and former, you know, guy who, who is kind of uh, understudy of Pop, right, of Popovich. So I think it's cool that, that he's kind of led them to have this certain style. Uh, they, they play with they play with a lot of, lot of aggression nowadays, and they're a lot of fun to watch. So I'm kind of rooting for the Celtics. But but yeah, I think the Bucks are the safest pick. I also would love Toronto. Um, I love teams that don't really have a guy per se. It's just kind of five or six dudes that all can really hoop, and that's one of my favorite things about about the NBA these days. Is it's almost more effective to have that to have kind of the depth, um, you know, have have guys off the bench that that really get it. Well, it's kind of Miami too, right? I yeah, mean, the yeah. one seed Miami. I mean, that's that's very similar to them. I mean, they, their overall quality is a little bit higher than than Toronto's, but um, but it's a very similar style in terms of like, hey, there's not one guy that just like dominates the ball. Like, it's kind of you know equal opportunity offense, and they're just a really really gritty defensive team that's very similar to Toronto. Uh, Pascal Siakam for Toronto has been phenomenal in the second half of the season. I think Toronto the issue is their their road to get there would be so hard because they're on the road yeah. against Philly, on the road against Miami, and then on the road against either Boston or Milwaukee. It's like that's. A, I mean, a murderous row of teams they're going to have to get through. I just don't see that. They, they don't have the firepower to get through all three of those teams. No, but it'd be wonderful. I mean, if they were to get to second round conference finals, like what great experience for Van Vliet and Siakam and Scotty Barnes. God, I love yeah, Scotty. Scotty. Bar- yeah. Love Scotty Barnes. He's definitely my favorite rookie. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's been a good season, but I'm ready for I'm ready for heads up like intense basketball for sure. Uh, you know, March Madness just happened. It was kind of like this this appetizer where i was like oh i i, I like this yeah well, i like real steaks i like yes. steaks yeah. Yeah, yeah ultimately i don't love college basketball but i love steaks and i love when yeah. i love when everything's on the line uh who doesn't right especially when you you have these freaks of nature playing um so i i wanted to kind of yeah if we're not careful we'll talk yeah, about yeah, it. yeah yeah for hours, yeah no so. of, of course of course you know this is a this is oscar sunday it is a uh, a movie podcast, a, a movie yes. podcast. <laughs> but you know it has that one nomination and we're gonna look at the 67th crazy crazy it has one nomination yeah it's bonkers uh, i think it's really cool that it was up for film editing though uh this is a a film a documentary that was filmed over five years uh from our, our two main characters uh william gates and arthur agee they're 14 when the film starts and it goes all the way till they they're entering college uh one of them going to community college to play and one of them going to you know marquette a, a pretty big d1 nice nice basketball school uh, so it's this five-year journey essentially, and 250 hours of footage that they they narrow down to, which is crazy. I mean, it's three hours, but when you look at the big scheme, it's like that's that's got to be really difficult to do. 
So I like that it gets a shout for best film editing uh, going against Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump. You know, uh, obviously Forrest Gump is the movie that that wins the big award, uh, the big, uh, best picture and kind of dominates the, the ceremony. You know, Shawshank's at this at this ceremony. Lion King. Some, 94 is a really good year. Speed. Uh, so I, 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 we'll look at the 67 Academy Awards a little bit later. And we'll give our own awards out to Hoop Dreams later. But I do want to talk about like this film and just all the all the stuff it entails about the American dream, about basketball, about how hard we push young kids to to just latch on to something when they're 14 or 15 years old. And like this is all this is all this is the only way you can make it. Uh is just so scary. And just kind of the, the Oh and the racial dynamics, sorry. Oh my gosh. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to get into yeah. that. But but I also want to hear from from you because you know uh, you've you've been coaching for a long time now. So uh, you've coached you coached me <laughs> your first year uh, of actually coaching like head coaching a team. I was in eighth grade uh, and our team was pretty good. Me Arnold Adame, Chase Higgins, we yeah. we had a pretty good season. Uh, we were, we were probably one of the better private school um, private school teams in San Antonio for like that age group. We had like we were we were pretty talented and uh, then you. From there, that was at a school called Bracken Christian School, which tiny, is tiny little school. Yeah, which is also where you went. You graduated, and, yep. and uh, you know, you were all state your junior year, right? And, and junior, yeah, yeah. Senior year, your first team. Uh, second team. Second team. Yeah. Second team, all state senior yeah. year. Uh, uh, you played at Bracken sophomore, junior, and senior year, and all three years, you know, had some accolades and did really well. Clearly, the best player on the team. Uh, like not even close. <laughs> uh and, and and you immediately started coaching like you knew that you you knew you didn't want to keep playing at a at a you know high level like you probably could have gone d2 right yeah uh, d3 you yeah. think so yeah i mean i could have made a roster a d2 but you would have played d3 yeah, i would actually play yeah. d3 or yeah. like at a community college or yeah. something yeah, yeah. you could have really played uh you know but but it was clear that your 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 interests were more about kind of bringing kids on, along and uh allowing them to allowing them to fall in love with the game, how they self fit, uh, meeting them halfway. If they were crazy about it and wanted to talk basketball nonstop, that's great. But they also want to talk about this. They're yeah. kind of interested in basketball. I, I could see like early on that that was kind of what you, you latched on to. So you were at Bracken coaching for what, two years, two years and then went to college station. Yes. So I was at a school called Brazos Christian for four years um, in the Bryan college station area. And then I came back and coached it. The one kind of, Full like varsity head coaching job I had uh, was at a tiny startup school called Living Rock Academy that my high school coach who had been at Bracken started that school, hired me for a year, and I, it was not the greatest experience. So I left and moved to St. Louis for two years, uh, and I worked at a school up there, and then worked for uh, Alex Wazell and uh, Pierre Sweat, um, and kind of was my basketball grad school, worked for a really good high school coach, a guy who very easily could have fit in Hoop Dreams, wouldn't have been at – he's he was nowhere near as like um, – brazen with his like tactics on like you know kind of like getting young kids to whatever i mean he's just you know a much better guy than some of the coaches that are in this in this uh yeah documentary but could have fit in easily um yeah in terms of like just, how, just, just like his service. personality yeah. yeah he's obsessed with it so yeah. learn from him learn from alex uh who's now you know a trainer that kind of does his own stuff and he's you know had kind of partnered with kobe bryant prior to his death and was training some of his uh girls teams and things like that and then uh, uh works with trey young and carmel anthony and you know a bunch of you know bunch of names bunch of really big names um so that's kind of who i got to learn from there and so i moved back to san antonio and kind of brought that here um and i've been training kids here ever since girls boys um i have kind of a girls team that i'm working with now uh train all kinds of guys i coach a jv team at a high school here 
in the San Antonio area. So yeah, I, that was, that was another reason, obviously like, you know, Austin, you mentioned the bond that we have through basketball, but another reason I think why you want to be on this one is because I do coach basketball right now, currently I yes. want to do that for, you know, the foreseeable future. And so, you know, maybe I can bring kind of a different level of, um, uh, I think it's just a different perspective that maybe yes. someone who's just like watching the film as a film might not, might not have. So, um, cause yeah, I mean, there's so many thoughts I have about just, yeah, I mean, we'll get into them, but the coaching aspect of this and the coaches that were in, in the documentary, I mean, I, yeah, I have a million thoughts about. Yeah, which is yeah, which is why I and really initially it was going to be Connor and I doing this because I wanted Connor to, to see this film because I think it's a I think it's amazing I think it's a a total feat it's like a definitely a five star and letterbox type type movie for me and I wanted him to see it because he's my friend and I've shown him uh, Mind the Gap through this show I've shown him uh, this uh, Netflix Undefeated documentary from 2011. Uh, well, it's on Netflix. It's been on Netflix for years. It's not an actual Netflix doc, but uh, that's about a football team uh, where the uh, b- b- based around a coach who just kind of like just carries kids along and wants them to succeed so bad. And he's kind of taken a liking to these these sports documentaries. He's like, it's a good vehicle to talk about life and, Ameri- and, and tell a story. Yeah, and it's specifically American life. You yeah. know, uh, this this kind of obsession we have with sports and how much we put into it. Uh, and so I wanted to show him who dreams. He watched it. He really liked it, but he was like, I think, I, I think you and your brother could, could do something a little bit more special here. And I, I agree. Um, love that guy to death. Well, but, the initial plan was to have all three. It was going to be all three of us on. But yes. Was like, oh, there actually may be some basketball stuff that, yeah, it's like, I, I think Connor might just be like, <laughs> I'm not boxed out, but I mean, not to, you know, to use a basketball <laughs> term, but, uh, but I just like, just like, it's like, there's going to be a different level of expertise that maybe he just doesn't have. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. At one point, you know, Jawan Howard and Jalen Rose and Chris Weber and Dick Vitale are shown in this doc, you know, at like the ABCD camp. And it's like, you know, those are, those are kind of like little, little nuggets that if you don't know, you don't know. And, at, and that's, that's why sports docs are, are so fun sometimes is those little nuggets. Like, Oh my God, there's, there's Jalen. There's one of my favorite players of all time. And, 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 you know, that's Connor recognizes that because I'm the same way when I watch, something DC or Marvel related. And I don't quite know that name drop. And he's like all over it. So it's, it's kind yeah. of the same thing. We, we're the guys in the theater who are at Spider-Man and, every, and like half the crowd is like, Oh, and this person comes on the screen. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like that's me. Whereas like, this is, yeah, you're right. This is like the, the, the converse of that where it's like, you know, Jalen Rose comes to the screen. I'm like, Oh yeah. And yeah. it's like, he'd be like, Oh, that's just another guy, you know, just another yeah, player. Another like, player. No, no, it's not just another player. They're showing yeah. him for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and this is in, although, although are they? What do you mean? I mean, I guess they are showing it for a reason because, like, they, it comes out in you know '94 or whatever. But like, yeah. But there is a time where Chris Webber is in a shot and they don't linger on him. And it's like Chris Webber is like amazing. I mean, he, I mean he's, he's the best player mentioned of that. Yeah, shown. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's and there are other guys that they kind of like linger on. So I, I actually like that they didn't like harp on like, oh, look who else was in this. Like, you know, all, so well. Okay, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to get this now, but Michael Finley was a high school senior that same year. Okay, as those guys at Proviso East, which is a school they mentioned at a different point in the in the doc, and he goes to Wisconsin. Yes, and yeah. ends up having a you know, great career. Yes. You know, obviously, you know, a couple of times he was an All Star team on the All Star team, but um, but yeah, so he's there at the same time. I mean, he's you know just like a few miles away from where you know these these games are taking place, and probably is playing in these tournaments and playing. You know, they, they probably played him at some point. Um, so it's interesting that, but like at that point, he would not have been. Michael, even even drafted yet yeah, Michael from, Finley, yeah. so yeah, so we yeah. don't know that so it's like yeah it's that knowledge of like them being the fab five so it's like you know what's intentional what's not i don't know i really liked a lot of that stuff um but yeah we can get to that more later about kind of like the little nuggets behind the film but yeah well yeah i mean uh so, so so just to just to be clear right now 
you are coaching. This is your. This is going to be your fourth year. Uh, fifth. Fifth year. I've been there for four years. I moved back in the summer of 2018. Okay, so, so I moved go- back almost four years ago. Yeah. Okay. So I just finished my fourth season at Geneva. Okay, so going into the summer and you know obviously into the fall and the winter yeah. will be your fifth season at Geneva, place, which would be the longest ever stayed somewhere. Yeah. That's that's wild. Yeah. Okay, I went by fast. It did. Jeez. It did the pandemic kind of yeah yeah and everything yeah yeah that makes sense. Uh, so so yeah, you you've kind of found found this place. I um you know I've been to some of your games. You know that that you're coaching in and uh assistant coaching whatnot and and it's very clear yeah that this is kind of what you're supposed to do so so let's just let's just jump right in so this is this hoop dreams directed by steve james uh the first probably the first thing i saw him do is no crossover which is a 30 for 30 Mm -hmm. uh the alan iverson one i'm trying to think i saw hoop dreams sometime in middle school uh i mentioned a guy named arnold dame earlier uh he showed it to me after we watched gun for that number one spot and he was like, nah, like, I mean, that's cute. But <laughs> Hoop Dreams is like the real Yeah, idea. they're trying to accomplish very different things. But, yeah. but yes. Going yes. for the number one spot was so dope because it's like, oh it's my like God. It's like more fun. Yeah, yeah, look, there's Kevin Love, there's Kyle yeah. Singler, there's Brennan Jennings, you know, Tyreek Evans, Lance Stevenson, all these all these different dudes playing at Rucker in the Elite 24 game. But Hoop Dreams is, is the mecca of basketball docs. I think anyone who has seen it and has seen a bunch of other basketball docs this is kind of the mecca. Steve James, clearly a big basketball guy. Yes. And he's narrating a lot of hoop dreams, right? Which I think is a smart choice. Yeah. I think we do need, because of what happened with William Gates and Arthur Agee and how they didn't become these, you know, phenoms, you do need that kind of, that someone kind of holding your hand, kind of letting you know what, what's happening with their family, what's going on with their, their playing. Like, what year is this? Is it, are they sophomores or juniors? I, I don't love narrating, but when you're doing a documentary and you have three hours of of runtime, I think it's the smart call by, by, by Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and I, I think it's smart to not get like, you know, some random celebrity to, to voice it too, because I think he's has such an intimate knowledge of like these families at this point. And you can hear either him or someone else, maybe one of the other directors or producers talking to the family occasionally, like from mm-hmm. behind the camera or like, you know, congratulating them on something like when he, you know, he signs with Marquette. And, and I think, I think, yeah, him knowing kind of, hey, here's where the story's going. Here's what where we're at at this point. Like, I think that does help um, push the story along, you know, like at, at different points where it seems like there might be a tad. Because this is three hours. I mean, it's, it's, it's long. long. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's long. And I never really felt that. But it's like it does need moments of just kind of like pushing the story along, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you and I definitely don't feel that because we're watching, there's a lot of basketball, a lot of yeah. basketball action, a lot of, a lot of shout outs to different things happening in the basketball world in the early 90s. A lot of shout outs to the Bulls and to the, the Pistons, right? Uh, Isaiah Thomas is a big figure. We'll get into him soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so for us, that's a great three hours. But for someone who's just watching a doc, I think, yeah, I think Steve James made a great call in, in, in doing that. And that's Frederick Marks is the the other guy uh, who's, you can kind of hear him every now and again. He's, he, they're, they're both accredited with writing a lot of that stuff, uh, Frederick and Steve. But no crossover. It's no walk in the park. This that's a great doc, mm-hmm. great thirty for thirty. And do you think? What do you think the importance is of something like Hoop Dreams coming out and showing? Oh my God, this can become like this almost worldwide thing. You know, it it, it won best documentary at Sundance. It's up for an Oscar, and then you know what? Fifteen years later, fourteen years later, you have the the rise of the thirty for thirty. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, years, and, yeah. and it becomes this this thing that's still going. They're still making these ESPN films. They're not necessarily 30 for 30 because there was, you know, obviously 30 stories that they covered and they did those pretty quickly, but they, they're still doing these documentaries on ESPN that are same quality, 
by up and coming directors, people who, who, you know, have a foot in the door and, and have something to say about these different, different stories. I think hoop dreams is, is a precursor to all of that. Well, the, the, the 15 year thing I think is really key because so yeah, so from 94 to 09, and for anyone who doesn't know what 30 for 30 is, it was ESPN commissioned 30 different filmmakers. It was the behest of Connor Shell and Bill Simmons. They kind of came up with this idea yeah. to, for the 30th anniversary of ESPN, which is, you know, 1979 is when ESPN started. In 2009, they said, let's commission 30 different filmmakers to make 30 films about diff- different topics. Some could be huge things, but they kind of wanted it to be more things that like, this is kind of a big deal, but it wasn't really made a big deal at, mm. in the moment. So let's like, let's like bring it to light or whatever. Yes. Um, you know, some of the stuff is about like, you know, OJ Simpson and some of it's about, you know, just a like very small, like, you know, stories. I'm trying to remember like, but they've now done, they carry that brand over. And they're basically still doing them. Yeah. I mean, there's now like, almost, I mean, over a hundred documentaries yeah. that they've done yeah. in the last, you know, what, 15 years. So that's kind of like, you know, so that, that 94 to 09 period, I think what happens in like the sports kind of like world because I, you hear this all the time. It's like, is Hoop Dreams the best basketball documentary, best basketball movie? It's like, I, I they're, very, they're very different things. Like Space Jam and Hoop Dreams are trying to accomplish very different things. Correct. So if you're ranking, which I, we've done before, you and I have done this before, basketball documentaries and basketball movies, they're, they're separate categories. And Hoop Dreams is, to me, easily the best basketball documentary. Um, and then, you know, and then the movies are the more kind of like almost white men can't yeah, yeah yeah more kind of yeah. almost fun hoosiers you know you know that yeah. type of stuff like that's that's those are what, what's battling for that hoop dreams is doing something way way more interesting in my opinion um, yeah. but i think that period 94 to, to 09 people do realize okay sports is a great way to kind of tell stories and we have this you know great run of sports movies in the 80s and and and, and early 90s and then there's that period where people are still trying to you know, make them and there's a few good ones you know miracle i think is what oh four yeah i mean somewhere in there yeah and i think people are realizing like okay sports movies don't really capture the real story that well sports documentaries make for a better viewing experience than sports movies and i think you've seen since 2009 Mm. way less sports movies being made because the likes of 30 for 30 and hbo docs now Mm. and and other companies have made really really good sports documentaries and then just they're just like hey look this is more interesting to just tell the story rather than make this fictionalized version of the story which is what makes winning time the hbo show so interesting because it's like so obviously fictionalized but um or, or at least exaggerated so yeah, I think that's like the timeline of like you know these sports stories, and I think you know someone like Connor is is a great example of like who's just not really into sports, but can find these stories utterly compelling because they're just really human. You know, they're very just like man, like this person is like really striving for something or trying to get somewhere, and like just can't seem to quite get there or whatever. And like that's that like kind of human spirit type stories. It's sports is like a perfect like conduit for that. You know, so I think I think that's like the timeline of it and how and why you know who dreams is so important. And yeah, maybe it took some time to get there, but it was definitely a precursor to all the stuff that came, you know, kind of 09 on. Yeah, I, I think I've always said that Hoop Dreams does for basketball docs, sports docs, what Twin Peaks did for TV. Mm. For just, it took some time, but The Sopranos is so clearly taking inspiration from Twin Peaks, even though it's years later. It's almost a decade later that it starts, right in the late 90s, and Twin Peaks is, in, is in the, at the very beginning of the 90s. I think TV, it took a minute for it to like get around and understand what it was and what they could do with these TV shows. And now it's like, oh my God, I mean, they're everywhere you look, there's unbelievable television happening. And I think now, yeah, I think it's the exact same with Yeah, it raised the bar. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like, this is the new standard. And if you really want to do something special, you kind of have to give credit to it. And and I love that about Hoop Dreams. I love looking on Letterboxd and, and looking at different reviews of people talking about talking about the film, what it means, and you have people who are like, "I don't give a lick about basketball," but geez, this was this was American storytelling at its finest. Roger Ebert famously is like, "This is one of the best movies of the '90s," 
And that's that, that's really cool. I, I love that about it, that it has that legacy. But when you are a Hoops fan like we are, it, it kind of holds an even more special place. Uh, 30 for 30, though, like maybe two months ago, we did Undefeated, uh, that football doc from 2011. And I did my top five uh, sports documentaries of all time. I had, of course, Hoop Dreams on there. I had the two Escobars, which is easily my favorite original 30 for 30. And that was the perfect example of what you were talking about, where it's this massive story with these huge, huge characters, you know, Pablo Escobar, you know, Andres Escobar and Colombian soccer in the 90s, this mecca of incredible creativity uh, in football. And yet people didn't quite know the whole story. And that's crazy. And then you, of course, involved, you know, the World Cup stuff with U.S. playing against Colombia and he has the own goal. (laughs) <laughs> like it's it's bonkers and and of course Pablo Escobar being who he was uh, you know in the 80s and 90s uh before he passed away uh you know just it's it's incredible incredible stuff and I love that they've done that and then yeah you you, you spoke about how they do smaller like the run Ricky run one is like yeah they didn't need to make that pretty fucking cool well, no they did yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty fucking cool yeah 30 for 30 is is so important to my kind of growing as a film fan and as a documentary fan, just, just the relentless storytelling. And of course, hats off to Bill Simmons, a guy we both love, uh, the pod father himself. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's clearly an inspiration on, on my life and podcasting and uh, watching films, getting obsessed with sports and betting and all those things. You know, I, I kind of feel like he's like an uncle I never really had. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. But yeah, I think, I think the, the thing about documentaries too, and, and why I think they've grabbed, and, and look, you know, I say that 94 to, to 09 period, it's like there were no sports documentaries in that time, but I think that the movies kind of took precedent to the kind yeah, of like, you know, yeah. written, you know, scripted films. Yeah, and Dis- Whether they were about something real or not. Yeah. Disney. Mir- Miracle, neutral. Glory Road, those yeah. kinds of films, you know, and, and yeah. then you had like the Happy Gilmore's and like, well, these I mean, kind like of Mighty Ducks. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're all Sandlot, in that period yeah. too. They're all in that little stretch. So yeah, I think that's, it's, yeah, that it was just, there was just, this, uh, those were way more popular at that, you know, during that stretch. Whereas now it's, it's totally flipped and like a sports documentary. But I think, but I think the reason that is in sports, like there are things that like happen in sports that are like, without well, like you wouldn't even write that. Like, it's so ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like the, the Pablo Escobar, Andres Escobar thing is like a perfect example. It's like, Ugh. that's such an absurd concept that like you get laughed out of a writer's room. It's like, okay, come on, dude. Like that's, that's too, uh, but like it happens in sports. Like those are crazy kind of stranger than fiction, fiction things happen all the time. And that's why it's such a great uh, area to cover. Like in terms of documentaries, it's just like, there's, I mean, you know, there's so many, I mean, obviously I'm a massive soccer fan too. And there's so many kind of soccer ones that you could Hillsboro. go on and on about. Yeah. That are just like, wow. I mean, these are just like tragic, tragic stories, you know, that have to, you know, revolve around a game, you know, a game of all things. And it's like, you know, why do we care so much about this stuff? And that's something I'm thinking about, you know, constantly is obviously it's my job, but um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we should get into like actual kind of, you know, full on, you know, film part of it. But, but yeah, I think, I think it's such a rich place to tell stories is, is the kind of the sports world and everything around it too. And this one is not just like the basketball court, but everything that is around the, the game of basketball, um, at that level. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, so let, let's start with, let's start with Arthur and, and Will, um, the two, two stars of the film. So we meet them in eighth grade, basically. Right? Yeah. They're, they're 14. Or they're between eighth and ninth grade. It yeah, like. yeah. It's, it seems like they're, they're, they're kind of these kids who, where are they going to go to high school? Where which is just such like a funny thing, but you know, you're in Chicago. Uh, it's just, just how it's going to be in those major cities. We've even experienced this in San Antonio or, or, or Austin or, or even Bryan college station. It's, this, Louis, yeah. yeah, it's oh, especially in St. Louis. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think St. Louis was the, was the, um, 
the most interesting thing I've seen as far as high school sports in oh, my life. It, definitely. In my life. Just the way they run things is, is odd. The way they kind of place teams and well, do and tournaments. The popularity of it. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, middle America, they really care about high school sports. Yes. Uh, in Texas, of course, it's dominated by football. football. They yeah. really care about the football, but not everything else. Yeah. Basketball, you know, we've got some. To a degree. Yeah. We have some powerhouse, powerhouse uh, schools here in Texas, you know, like Atascacita and Duncanville. The Houston and Dallas areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some pretty strong stuff. But... Yeah. 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 And, and, and when I lived in Houston in 2016, uh, I, I, I sought out games. You know, I went and saw Darren Fox play for Cypress, Cypress Lakes is where he went, Cy Lakes. Uh, and I watch, went and watched him play. His teammates sucked, and he was way, <laughs> way better than everybody on the court, and he dominated. The, he had a game winner. Uh, they won the game. Uh, and then I went and watched, like, a week later, Atascacita play. I can't remember who they played. This is six years ago. Uh, and Carson Edwards is playing there. He, you know, of course, went to Purdue. Of course, uh, went to Purdue and played for the Celtics. I'm not really sure what he's up to now. Um, I don't, I don't think he's on. Or, yeah, I don't think yeah. he's on the NBA roster anymore. But he was okay for the Celtics there for a minute. Uh, and and, and it, it's there's something about it that I've always kind of hated, but also I'm like, man, I wish I could have been a part of this in some way. Uh, and I think I think you have to an extent, you know, in St. Louis. I think you you saw some pretty damn good talent, and you coached some pretty damn good kids who go on to play, you know. D2 or D1 in football or basketball. And uh, you kind of see that madness, that madness of <laughs> when, when coaches or adults or parents are talking about them, they're talking about them like they're this animal oh, yeah. who, who's, who's about I to mean, move on. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And then in hoop dreams, it's on, you know, a hundred. Yeah. You know, uh, the, these coaches and these, these adults, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name at the beginning of the film when he's the one who's kind of like, you should go to St. Joe's will, you know, well, he tells, scout. yeah, he tells both of them. I can't remember his name, yeah. uh, but he's just like, I, like that guy sucks. Like, okay. So he, 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 he's a fascinating figure to me because yeah. he has a quote at the end, which is going to be my Tarantino spoiler. Alert. Okay. But yeah, yeah. That is just like, man, almost like heartbreaking because he's like, I think his intentions are somewhat good. Yeah. But what, how it plays out. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that at the end, but it just looks ugly. Yeah. But the, he's, he's essentially this like freelance like talent scout but he goes to like watch playground games of like eighth graders really like eighth graders and he's just like oh he could play here he could play here and like i don't really know what he gets out of it and he you know he says that he gets accused of all kinds of stuff and i mean yeah it's just like that world is so i mean hoop dreams is is the perfect title for this because it's like it's it gives these kids these dreams these these illusions of grandeur that they're all going to make it you know that they're all going to be these stars they're all going to be and it's like the odds are so, so, so heavily stacked against you. It's like, I just don't think people understand that. I mean, I have kids that I train all the time that I'm just like, man, they don't, they don't understand how hard it is to get there. Like uh, they, yeah. to get to even just college, like mm-hmm. much less like the levels that these guys are trying to get to, you know, Will, Will and, and, and Arthur, like, I mean, they think they're going to play in the NBA. I mean, they, yeah. they, they genuinely think they're going to play in the NBA and they're very good players. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're not like some of the kids I train where it's like, man, they're going to be lucky to like play varsity one day. Like these are good players who like, these schools, all these private schools, all these schools in the city, they want them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is this is not some like us, oh, you know. And I think that's why they're chosen, you know, to 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 be followed because like okay, there's clearly like some talent here. Yes, know? and they and they come from different backgrounds, you know, interesting backgrounds, but like very similar as well. You know, it's like there there's there's a there's an easy story to tell there, you know, because of their connection and, and their talent and things like that and their age. Correct. Yeah, it's very much like the book uh, "Play Their Hearts Out," where they follow Demetrius Walker and it ends up being kind of a similar, similar story where it's like, man, you put 
you put so much pressure on this kid yeah. or these kids and you know you just see what fucking happens you know very like you said very few of them are gonna actually be able to mentally get through it and physically yeah. get, physically get through it uh and we'll definitely talk about but uh, even more so mentally uh 100 and and just the amount of games kids have to play you know aau in high school and you know scrimmages pickup games what at practice you just burn these kids out by the time they're 17 so all right so 1987 is when that scout yeah gets that makes sense yeah so gets, right, right before they go into eighth, ninth grade yeah correct yeah so he he and he successfully gets arthur and will interested in going to saint joseph's yeah which which i, I looked up and it's 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 in um i think what's it called westchester is that the actual name of the town in illinois westchester yeah, illinois. okay yeah so it's a it's about an hour Correct. away from where, like an hour drive and then an hour and a half on like the little train bus, like Metro that they have in, in Chicago. I can't remember what's called in Chicago, but um, it, yeah. So it's like an hour drive, like I guess kind of Northwest of Chicago. Um, so towards Milwaukee, really. It's, yeah. like, it's like almost like halfway between Milwaukee and Chicago. So, so yeah, that that's like where it's at. And so it's, it's, it's out of ways, you know, it's like, it's like away from the city. It's not, you know, it's in the burbs. So. Yes. So, so the kids both need, both need help. Like yeah, get, get getting yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a private school with tuition. You know? Yes. It's, it's a private school and they, they very much, you know, you know, they keep nailing that it's a predominantly white high school uh, where if, if you don't have the money to go there, you know, you, you better be good at something. And that's just such that, I mean, there's so many things in this documentary that could create a whole conversation that could last for an hour. Uh, and that's kind of the fascinating thing about it is you can rewatch it and be like, wow, you know, you, this is hitting me even harder. Uh, so the, the coach that we meet, <laughs> uh, that that's the head coach at, at St. Joseph high school. Um, could could not have looked more like a late eighties yeah. high school basketball coach. Gene, like he is, I and mean, Ping is his nickname. Yeah, and yeah. Gene Gene Ping is like what is a it lot. Pingator is Pingator. That yes, yeah, name. and he has. You know, we we see very clearly at one point in the doc on his license plate yeah. says Ping. He has a vanity license plate. He's yeah. a high school basketball coach with a vanity license. Plate. And the Ridiculous. way, yeah, the way he carries himself. You know, of course, he has kind of the the, the gel is like slick to the side. If you saw him in the morning before he did that routine, it'd be like. Uh, Dr. Bus. Yeah. At the beginning of, you know, uh, John C. Riley on winning time when his hair, he's bald, basically. Yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. And he does all this work. So he looks a certain way and he has, you know, has these big bottle cap uh, glasses, wears these like three piece suits to high school games and, and just, he's just a jackass. Like, I, I, watching him made me just, just cringe so many times. And, and you think about how many coaches are like this out yep. there in all sports. They just think they're the shit. And he, very quickly, we you know we 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 learned that this is where Isaiah Thomas, one of the greatest point guards of all time, a Chicago native, uh, he he went to school there and played and and won. It was a similar story. He grew up in a super tough neighborhood yeah. and 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 drove out you know every day to to St. Joe's and and yeah and and made it out. Not just made it out. I mean he became you know yeah and goes to said, Indiana. Yeah. goes obviously to the Pistons. A top Thirty player of all time. Yeah. So yeah yeah I, yeah he has he has that argument for sure. Uh, you know uh, he he is one of the best guards to ever to ever play the game and. And, and it, you know, just has everything Chicago in him. You know, he has that, that fight. He has that mental game. But he also was willing to, like, do what it took to to physically get through it and, and like, really loved the game. And we kind of learned later on with Will Gates, like, he doesn't quite have that. Yeah. yeah. Arthur, I think, had that. I think as he got to, like, his senior year, he, he was like, I love this game. But didn't quite have the right avenue to get to yeah, the right places infrastructure yeah yeah, yeah. and, and that, that's just so fascinating how the cards fall you know it's like a complete alternate reality where arthur could have been maybe isaiah thomas in a different scenario uh but <laughs> coach <laughs> coach ping he 
hits that so many times throughout the doc about how Isaiah went there. I coached Isaiah. We we well, won- they have a cardboard we cutout of him in the in that case. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. We I, went, which I I get it. I we get went it. downstate, which I love. Yeah, downstate. Love that. I want to say that all the time. Yeah. Although it only makes sense there because where like it is, it's in Champaign, which is south of Chicago, so it makes sense. But like, like I can't say that here because like we'd be going upstate to yeah, but yeah, to Waco or Dallas. I just want to go downstate. Yeah, 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 gotta go downstate (laughs) to where like Del Rio. I'm just trying to get downstate. Yeah, Laredo. Yeah, 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 so awesome. And so we we immediately find out okay, this guy is is you know he's a big deal. He's a big deal. This coach and Arthur and Will they kind of take these just completely different paths their freshman year where will quickly becomes like a starter on the team one of the better players and arthur's on the freshman team is kind of struggling doesn't quite doesn't quite fit in doesn't quite get it and of course made me gravitate to him right away you know our arthur ag is so fascinating to me and will is kind of what like okay i got this like i i i get it i get what i have to do around these white people i get what i have to do to stay you know stay the course get good grades uh, I'll start in, start in these basketball games, and eventually I'll go to a, go to a college, and yeah, and, and he, that's that's yeah. how I'll make a living. He was clearly better prepared for that world for sure. And, and Arthur even says it at one point when he's a freshman, he's like, I've never you know never been around this many white people, and yeah, you know, all this stuff, and yeah, he just he just didn't quite know how to handle it. Well, I think he he struggled with the grade aspect of it. You know, what I mean? yes. like he just didn't really care that much about that part of it, and just didn't know how to make that a priority, you know, in his life. And it's like that's that's just reality. That's reality for so many kids, you know. I mean, and and there are so i mean throughout the entire world there there are kids who are going to be a little bit easier to coach like will gates who are kind of quiet they'll do their job they'll play as hard as they can they'll be one of your best players and there's kids like arthur who could be one of your best players but you have to actually coach him you have to actually meet him halfway i think this happens to so many programs and different sports especially in the united states where an arthur type kid is just not going to get a fair shot, not going to get a fair chance because the coach isn't willing to do his job. And I, I heard you tell me a story about about you know some some of the experiences you have you've had with certain kids who might be a little bit you know they might mouth off or you know not, not care as much about about you know some practice or something, but they're damn good. And if you're willing to meet them there, they might be just as good as the starters. Yeah, that can happen. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, it's happened so many times already. I mean just in, in my what you know 12, 13 years of doing this, I've seen kids just get like kind of tossed by the waist. And I, I mean, that maybe is a little strong, not tossed by the wayside, but just like not, I think not given as, as fair of a chance. Cause it's like, ah, you're a little bit harder to deal with. Like, I don't feel like dealing with you, you know, like, mm. which when you are dealing with 25 people in the program and you're trying to, you know, develop certain teams, I get that to a degree. It's like, you, you want kind of like a no a holes, you know, like rule on your team. Like I, I'm, I understand that, but I also think like you got to at least give people chances. And like you said, meet them, meet them halfway. And like, hear them out, listen to them, show them that you care and then see like, Hey, now the ball's in your court. Can you kind of like rise to the occasion? And it's like, sometimes the kid doesn't get the ball even put in their court. It's like, it's always just kind of hit, you know, out of bounds. And it's like, it's like going to get a chance to play. So um, to continue the the tennis metaphor, but, but it's like, that's, that's yeah. And it's like heartbreaking to see. And, and in my world, which like, let's just be honest, call it what it is. It's like a very privileged, mostly white, you know, it's, it's like a rich kid school. It really is. Like, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to like, and all the kids act like that. Like uh, to be fair, I mean, like there's some that are very like humble and like down to earth, um, but it requires quite a bit of money to go there. And the majority of the kids that go there will never want for anything in their life, you know? And it's like, so there's a different mentality than like the ones that like the kids that are in this movie, you know, that like, yeah, it's a yeah. very, very different type of kid that I'm kind of dealing with. Now, every once in a while, someone comes through that's maybe comes from a different little walk of life, but um, for the most part, 
I'm not dealing with an Arthur Ag on on my no. teams. But if I what, but I, but I relish that, that that challenge. I have had kids like that at different places I've been at. You know, mainly in St. Louis, not quite you know to that level, but um, and maybe not as good. And maybe not, yeah, definitely yeah. not as good. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. but but you know that that's kind of that's that's kind of the point. Is like is like I, I've been able to try to you know meet kids where they are. Again, is the kind of perfect way to put that because because I mean, how how else are they gonna have a chance? I mean, it's like that's not that's not Arthur's fault that his dad is an addict you know what I mean? yeah like yeah. It, it, like that's not his fault so i have to like give him every opportunity even if like there's another kid whose dad is not an addict and is like totally present and is an amazing dad you know it's like that's also not like that kid's like fault that his dad's great you know it's like Correct. it's like that that's that's just yeah you, you got to meet kids where they are yeah you got to be willing to like talk to them learn about them yeah and, and figure that out and so so as as we get to the end of their freshman year or their end of their end of their season basketball season uh st joseph varsity william gates a starter uh, there's this this segment, uh, the sports writers on TV. I love that bit of, of the doc because you have that one guy who calls him the next Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. He said, I think we have the next Isaiah Thomas in our hands here. This is it's about a decade later after Isaiah Thomas uh, uh, went to school there. Or maybe not. Yeah, no, that's about, yeah, yeah. about right. Because yeah. how long did he play at Indiana? He, he went a couple years, but yeah, he graduated in 81 from Indiana. So, so yeah, 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 about, graduated, but he, yeah, he got drafted in 81. Yeah, yeah so yeah, about, about a decade after he, he, he attends high school at St. Joseph and and, you know, wins, wins, goes downstate and, yeah. and wins everything you can win. Uh, in well, Chicago, at this time, so this, this is not, so the, their freshman year would be the 87, 88 season. So, Correct. So at this point, the Pistons had not won a title, but they're like right there. They're knocking on the door. Yes. So they're yes. great, you know, and he's a big deal in Chicago, obviously, because he's from there. And so, yeah, so that's, yeah. Went to Indiana for college. So, yeah, you kind of yeah. have kids in Chicago who are like Bulls fans or they're like, mm, kind of yeah. like Isaiah. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like the bad, the bad boys, the nasty guys uh, down the street in Detroit. So, uh, so, so Will Gates. They, I love the footage from the game where they, they win the sectional title and they lose to St. Francis de, de Sale, de Salle. I can't de Salle, remember. Yeah. De Salle. And they have that big white guy who's yeah. just awesome. Yeah. Like, I can't that remember. That dude was a force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was bloody good. And I feel like I've seen so many guys like that uh, yeah. through just watching high school sports who are just these fucking giants. And, and he's a senior and Will Gates is this, you know, six foot, six foot one guard. Has no chance, you know, against someone like him. They lose to St. Francis. They they were just the better team overall. Meanwhile, Ag is on the freshman team. Struggles, like we said, on and off the court, and eventually gets kicked out uh, for tuition stuff. Yes, not necessarily for behavioral stuff. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Didn't really have much to do with basketball for sure. Uh, as we see later on, you know, Coach Ping wanted him to stay, uh, but our, Arthur Arthur's family like, just simply couldn't pay for like anything. Yeah, at St. Joseph. And man, that's where another huge conversation comes into play of what are we doing? What are we doing? Do we really want this kid to have the best opportunity that he can have? Or do you want, do you just want to kick him to the curb and be like, man, you you belong here. And that's, that's just so fucked up. And and that's not just, you know, sports or, or anything. That's, that's just kind of life. That's the way we treat things in our society. Yeah. So I thought about this, this, part of the movie from a few different perspectives. So I worked at a school that obviously charges tuition um, to kids. It's not a public school or, you know, you just go cause you live close to it. Um, so from the school's perspective, I get it because it's like, okay, we, we can't just like, like we don't get government money. We have no tax money coming in we totally rely on tuition. I'm sure they have some sort of, you know, financial aid available to some, which they may be giving to these kids. If that's similar to what you know the situation was with the school I had in St. Louis. Um, but they can't just like let them just like not pay, you know. It's like I, like there there is like a line, and I think one of the 
one of the guys, I think the registrar is like, like kind of tries to say that he's like, you know, we can't like, we do have to like run a school here. Like if we have kids here who are using up kind of resources and things like that, they can't just pay nothing. You know, I think if they had maybe shown like, Hey, here's a few hundred, you know, Hey, we'll get, you know, we're, they may have let, that's usually what schools do is like, okay, if you're trying to at least come up with something, I get it. You know, we'll, we'll try to wave some of this stuff or we'll try to work with you a little bit. Um, so I, from that perspective, I get it. It's obviously hard to see. And you want to just be like, well, just let him stay. Like, you know, this kid needs it. And it's like, well, yeah, but like, so do the other kids that go here, you know? So it's like, I, I, I see, I see that really from both sides. You know, I think, I think there's probably a tendency for like most, you know, viewers of a certain kind of mentality to just be like, oh, this is just so unfair. Like classic, you know, white school, just like not letting the black kids say it's like, I actually don't know if that's really the issue here. I, I don't think the race part of it, it's, it's just simply like if there's a white kid who just wasn't paying, like they'd be like, sorry, you, like you can't keep going here. Like that's what, it, that's, this is what it costs to go here. If you can't meet it, like, I'm sorry. But, but then that brings up a whole nother thing. It's like, well, should we have places like that? Should there be a place like that? Or should it be just kind of like all welcoming? Should they get some government help so that kids like that can't go to schools like that? Mm. That's, that's a different, that's a different conversation, you know? Um, and one that I think I'd, you know, in another form, I'd, I'd be totally like willing to have. But, you know, once the school makes a decision, this is what we're going to be. This is, you know, we're private, privately funded, you know, it's a tuition school. I mean, that's just, that's just the deal. I mean, you got to pay tuition, you know? So I kind of, I kind of understand. Now, the not releasing the transcript thing, that's a that's pretty weak. Yeah, they could have easily on. done that. Yeah. And, and the guy does make him a little bit of a deal. You know, he's like, hey, pay a couple months and then we'll release it. And you show some good faith. And like, that's like somewhat fair. But it's like that that's a little cruel to not, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't yeah. really need to do that. I mean, what, what's what's their worry there? I think they're, I was trying to think about that. What's what's the other side of that? You know, because I was trying to see both sides in these arguments. And it's like, I guess they could say, oh, well, then like everybody that gets, gets kicked out, like gets the benefit of going to a school like us and getting, you know, credits here. But like, doesn't have to pay for it. But it's like, I mean, that can't happen that often to make it like that big of an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is know. one year. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. two or three or, or yeah. yeah. It's like, just, how hard is it to just like send these transcripts over? It's like, you know, what does yeah. that take? Like just putting it in. Are they rivals with Marshall? You yeah. Know? Like, like, yeah. Just, come on. Yeah. I don't know about that. So, so this is really fascinating because Arthur gets kicked out because of tuition. William Gates, his family can't pay. I mean, his dad is in it for like 10 minutes. At most, uh, even yeah, 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 it's like it's like a it's like a short scene. It's not even that long. It's maybe maybe five minutes. He's the, like mechanic, right? Yeah, yeah and yeah. it looks exactly like him. And it's like whoa, you know, yeah. it, they walk the same and everything. That was pretty pretty crazy moment later on in the doc. But clearly, he he, well, he needs financial help too. So what happens because he's really good and he's a starter on the varsity team as a freshman, which is something that only Isaiah Thomas did <laughs> uh, at the school. Uh, he gets a sponsor, and and. This is this is fascinating. Okay, I was confused about that part because I, I I'm not sure that was a personal sponsor. It's, I think that was a sponsor of the school that he was allowed to use as like a tutor and as a. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't. That was a little confused at, at that part. But I, I the more we you talking about that Encyclopedia Britannica woman, correct? Yeah, I I I actually think she was just a partner with the school. And and yeah, and, and it was uh, not him specifically. No, no, no. I, no, that's, that's definitely, I think that's the case. It just wasn't going to happen to Arthur because he's not a starter on the varsity team. I think, I, I, yeah. I, I do, I do think when you're, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and look, when you get really good at something, you're going to get rewarded, whether yeah. it's, whether yeah. it's, I'm a really good singer. Whether so that's fair or not, that's just reality. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, yeah. that's just, that's capitalism, baby. Like, that's, that's the way, that's the way things work. Like, you, if you're really good at something, but it also doesn't seem like they just weren't paying at all. Yeah, I think it doesn't like the Gates family at least like word. I think they were doing something, and he was yeah. he William like to his credit was 
participating and yes. got good grades going to a tutor and yeah, yeah they wanted like he wanted to be there he knew it was really good for him and, yeah. and he knew it was the best opportunity for him to, to to go play you know d1 basketball so and that ends up ends up working out so yes he gets the he gets the sponsor uh the encyclopedia britannica and that lady is just like you're a real good ball player you know it's just real <laughs> awkward yeah. real awkward and, yeah. and and you know it, it, there's there's a moment there where it's like seven older white people and will is just like whoa yeah, <laughs> like, yeah what what's happening here you know but but he for what it's worth he plays along you know he plays along and he's like hey I, i'm coming back for my sophomore year we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be even better and so he we're stayed going downstate. yeah yeah right? we're going downstate this year so he stays at saint joseph again another you know he's a starter and ends up ends up having maybe his best like year. a great season yeah. his sophomore year he's incredible he averages like 18 points and is awesome like the best player on the team and Arthur goes to John Marshall. He goes to a, 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 a proper Chicago high, uh, public high school. Mm-hmm. That's where Patrick Beverly went, who's in the NBA now. Uh, he's he's a pretty good player on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and famously famously went there and kind of helped them help them get downstate actually, and uh, then went to Arkansas for a couple of years, and then and then was drafted in 2009. Uh, that's kind of their claim to fame. Uh, Coach Patrick Beverly, I don't think he was actually drafted though, was he? I think he was. Yeah. In 2009, I think it was a second round pick. No, you might be right. Yeah, I, I was I was looking up stuff about I, him. I was like, man, guy. he's been in the league for like 13 years. I know, it's yeah. crazy. Because uh, he played in Europe briefly. Yes. Yeah, and you know, it was yeah. was good with the Rockets, yeah, Clippers. Yeah, yeah. And, and and now he's found like a pretty nice little role with the uh, with the the Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards led uh, Timberwolves, and yeah. they're 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 knocking at the door to 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 be in you know be in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. Uh, Luther Bedford, coach of John Marshall, love this guy. Yeah, he's yeah. he is awesome because big he t- winner in the in, yeah, yeah yeah takes no shit is so honest, brutally honest about them and he, which kids need badly. Yes, yeah, I try to do that every day. I try to just be honest. I I, I think that's why some of the kids that I have I have a good relationship relationship with and and respect me because I'm just like very honest with them. Like yeah, like like I I will in front of the entire team I'll say this is our best player like. This is who we want to take the most shots. This is who we want to take the second most shots. And I think they like that there's no like BS, you know. Um, or I'll, I'll, I'll take a kid out for like an offense defense situation. I'll be like, he's better defensively. You're better offensively. That's why I'm doing this, you know. And like, oh, okay, okay, you know. It's like you can see this like kind of light bulb go off. And I think yeah, that was that was his biggest strength was how honest he was with the kids. Yeah, yeah. And 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 Arthur he struggles his sophomore year. Uh, Big time. At, at Marshall. Big time. He he. One of my favorite bits is when is when Coach Bedford is like, look, Arthur can play for quarter maybe two and then he just fizzles out he loses like mental capacity he starts getting hard on himself loses confidence and plays terrible the rest of the game or fouls out or does something stupid uh and he's you know so he benches him you know he doesn't play him a lot uh and it's it's sad it's sad to watch because you see this kid at the beginning who's 14 you know dribbling it all over the place doing crazy stuff and just looks like someone who's gonna like for sure be a starter at a huge public school or huge private school whatever it may be and go on to do better things. And you start, you start to think, I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, "Uh Oh, is something bad about to happen to Arthur? Like it, is he about to go to like a really dark place? And I, I don't know how he doesn't through what he goes through with his dad. His dad's a, a crack cocaine addict. Uh, his, his mom kicks his dad out of the house. His name's Bo and the mom, Sheila, God, what an angel. I, she's incredible. I love, I love Sheila's story. She goes on to be a nurse and it, like graduates at the top of her class. It's so cool. It's such a cool storyline for her. I think she has a lot to do with Arthur's, uh, I, I don't know what you'd call it, mental strength 
later on in the film uh, as a junior and senior, how he's able to kind of overcome some of those challenges. Uh, but his dad, man, tough stuff. And his dad actually passed away in 2004 at age 50, which is not hard to believe when you watch the doc, because this is a guy who's clearly dealing with very dark things. Uh, wow, only 50. So he's, so he's about... I mean, he's early thirties when this movie's happening. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They had him. Yeah. Had him, had, had, had Arthur very young and yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. Uh, the storyline with his family is, is, is really tough, but over at St. Joseph, uh, like Adam said, about, about an hour, hour and a half away from Chicago, from, from Marshall high school, uh, Gates again, he dominates throughout the regular season, but they get to the sectional, which is where they got past that as freshman year. They get to the sectional and they lose to Gordon Tech, which seemed like a pretty pretty nice little team. You know, they show a lot of highlights from from that game. They, they seem like a pretty pretty well coached, pretty pretty well run team, and uh, they they lose. And this is when we get introduced properly to Curtis uh, William Curtis Gates, William's brother, who older brother, older brother, yes, yeah, by by a few years, who was a high school star. Uh, they say hey, he was uncoachable and this and that, but he was, he just had this raw talent and wasn't, but wasn't really listening, willing to listen to anyone. That's very apparent as we meet him. Uh, his attitude is terrible. He is living in the past, living vicariously through his brother, which is so sad because William like feels that weight on his shoulders. And you can tell after the games, when Curtis goes up to him and just like gives him shit. He, he's like, this is the last thing I need right now. And so he just kind of has his head down. He's always wearing some awesome hat, though, some corduroy the, Michigan yeah. or the gear. Yeah, God. I can't wait. To, yeah, the yeah. early '90s, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at one point, Arthur's wearing like a knockoff Dominique Wilkins jersey and an Indiana Hoosiers corduroy hat. The Wilkins jersey with no name on it. Yeah, back. just twenty-one. Yeah, <laughs> we know who it is. Hawks twenty-one. So cool. I love Arthur's room. Uh, he's got a lot of cool stuff in there. But yeah, this this was to me one of the like darkest and saddest moments of the doc is is kind of finding out about Curtis and his weird impact on William. And I love how the doc doesn't, we don't, they don't, they don't treat us like idiots. The audience, they kind of let that breathe, let that come into play and come to fruition. And you're like, wow, this is a big deal. Yeah. In William's that, life. Yeah. That's where the narration could have gone wrong. Cause it, there could have been a lot more of it where he's like, now remember, like this is yeah. like, you know, William did the, you know, and, and Car- was it, was the brother's name? I was Curtis. Curtis. Yeah. I was like Carlos for some reason. Curtis is like this, this, and this. It's like, no, they just, they just, they just show you. They just show you. We're going to keep you in this room for this thing. We're going to show you this little look this guy gives. We're going to show you the way that uh, William kind of looks down when his brother's talking to him, but then is very excited when the brother-in-law is talking to him, who I thought was an amazing person in, in William's life. Like I thought that was such a cool, like, yeah, clearly he had a big impact on him, which is, which is really cool to see. Um, and he's the one that kind of really, well, we'll get to the, you know, when he gets hurt part, but um yeah, it's yeah. coming up very soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, essentially they end their sophomore years. Very different paths. They've gone down at this point. It seems like um, Arthur is... But then here's another fork in the road in the, in the story. Yeah, it's, it seems like Arthur is going to be kind of a nobody when it comes to basketball. William has... Okay, here we go. Junior yeah, he's going to be a major player. Yeah. Junior year, here we go. It's time. It's time to really, really show it. And, and for anyone in the, in the kind of basketball, like, or not familiar with the basketball world, so the, the summer between your sophomore and junior year is usually when coaches, college coaches, do the most kind of scouting and that's when, like, you really kind of, like, cement yourself as either, like, D1 player, D2 player, D3. Now, there's always going to be late bloomers and things like that. Anthony Davis is a good example of that. But um, for the most part, this, the, the, the summer between sophomore and junior year is when it happens. And you, you make a big jump from either, like, I'm pretty good to great 
or I'm just, you know, I'm just gonna be this kind of solid player. I'm, you know, college player maybe, but like I'm a D3 level player. Um, and I think we're about to see William kind of go on that. Like, okay, okay, here we go. Here's, here's, yes. yeah, you, 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 you've kind of physically developed, you've kind of know what your game is. You're used to kind of the speed of a high school game and, and, and the summer stuff. It's like, here we go. Now it's time to kind of like really shine. And, and that's when that jump usually happens. Yeah. And he, he kind of through these highlights kind of reminds me of like a, like a Mark Aguirre or kind of like a tough, he's built like a running back. But he's, you know, he's like six, 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 one, six, two, pretty good, good size for a guard, but he's like relentless on the boards. And he kind of reminded me of Barkley at times, the way his jump shot, he kind of kicks his legs up. Yeah. It's like, man, I, I like, I like this gate. I, I like William yeah. Gates. I liked, I liked his game a lot. I'm much more partial to Arthur, the kind of fluid skinny guard. who's just like all over the place, stealing and going up for kind of like flare type layups. Uh, yeah. Arthur is a much more modern looking yeah. player, the way he moves and plays. Whereas like it, William is such a perfect like late eighties, early nineties players. Yes. Like it's just, man, you look just like you could have fit in on any of these random NBA teams. Yeah. Cause like almost like kind of um, Vinnie Johnson, yeah. you know, Mark yeah. Aguirre, you know, kind of like, definitely, you know, killing the mid range, you know, get some stuff around the rim, offensive <laughs> rebound. But like if he's a guard, like kind of strong for a guard, you know, it's like, that's, that's the type of game that I, I, I thought he had. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this, this, this is, this is tough. Uh, early in, in his junior year, he, he shreds his knee. Like, well, it's not even, the games haven't even started yet, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's not even a proper season. Like, yeah, and he essentially misses the entire regular season. Yeah, and, and comes back like late, uh, stupidly. Uh, yeah, stupidly. That pissed comes back. me off. That yeah. pissed me off because uh, th- th- that that's when I started to get like um, like angry at the characters in the movie. Not yeah, the characters, I mean the people I and mean, they're human beings. And, and human. Coach Ping is just kind of oh. like. Ugh. He mishandled that so bad. Whatever. Like he, he's like, if like, he doesn't, if you feel like you can play, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Ugh. Oh man, the stuff we do to, <laughs> to kids. Like these are huge moments in their life. Uh, it reminded me of the movie uh, Waves when uh, Sterling K. Brown, as the dad, he plays a great dad, pushes his son to keep wrestling. It's like, dude, like he's gonna fuck up his shoulder for life. And it, it, this this happens in real life. This happens in real life. You have adults telling you. No, like if you want to like continue on this path, you have to you have to perform and play, and uh, unfortunately for William, it 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 rattles him and like destroys completely derails what he's doing uh, from his sophomore season to his junior season. Uh, takes months of rehabilitation. You know what it's like to fuck up your knee. Uh, it changes who you are. Changes so who you are as a player. It does sound like though he he doesn't completely tear it. It's not like a blown out. Like it's more of a kind of a partial tear. I never quite. Realize exactly. They like never he really he never, exactly he, he never tore a ligament. No, but no. man, when they take the cartilage out, I was yeah. like, "That's disgusting." Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I, I have I've I've blown out both my knees playing basketball, and they play. I'm like, you know, I'm okay now. I mean, it definitely, you know, affects me. But um, they show you the 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 imaging like after it, and it it looks like an explosion in your knee. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like this weird pink and white like little like because of the blood and all this stuff, just like explosion in your knee. And it's like, yeah, it really when you say, oh, you blow it out. I mean, the, the ligament's kind of just like you know, explode basically. Yeah. So um, I don't think he does that. It's not quite that bad, but, no. but the injury that I think he suffers, so maybe it's like a partial meniscus tear or something like that, but it, at, you know, 19, what, 89, I guess we're in now, yeah. like the, the medical advancement, it's just not, it's just not there. I mean, that was a death sentence for some NBA players. You know, if they tore their ACL, like it's just like, wow, you're, I mean, there's so few guys that came back as any, you know, Bernard King is one of the few examples that came back at that time. Um, to any sort of success afterwards. Yeah. I mean, some guys have just ended their career. I mean, Elgin Baylor, you know, he ended up having some good seasons, but he was nowhere near the same player he was in the 60s, mm. you know, when he he did it to his. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it it certainly, it's not just the injury, though. It didn't have to derail him. 
but the way he comes back was mishandled by so many people. And I can't believe like if that happened today, I was like, if that was one of my players, I, it'd be so easy for me to just be like, dude, this doesn't matter. Relax, get better. Your health matters more than this. Like these two random games we're going to yeah. play at the end of the season. Like, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I like maybe sick watching that. Yeah, me too. Me too. That, the way, uh, that, that storyline and the, and the way coach ping treats him pre injury to post injury yes. is like, he's just a piece of meat. Yep. And, uh, he's not the same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Will's not as explosive as he once yeah. was. It's like, okay. <laughs> so messed up. And you can clearly tell like that brace is doing nothing. And yeah, it's, it's really sad. The and brother-in-law, it, this is where I'm saying he, he's the one saying, yeah, he shouldn't be out there. He shouldn't be out there. I he love that guy. Yeah. No, he, I, I thought he was, was like great. A, a real positive. Influence. He took him to like a proper. He took him to the Bulls doctor. Yes. He was like, "Hey, I'm gonna take you." Which like a that's real... where that's where it's, it does seem like maybe through the sister, his sister, or that guy. There is more of a of a good base than yeah. Arthur. You know, what I mean, there's someone they're doing something right because like they they're like clearly like. And he has a kid. Yes. And yeah. and, and it seems like it's Alicia, the baby, really cute, really funny, yes. says some amazing stuff. Uh, seems like well taken care of, like yeah. well, well yeah. fed and, and and whatnot. Is not is not like some unhealthy little little child. Seems like there's genuine care there for her, even when he's gone and you know playing games and doing and doing whatnot. So, uh, yeah, that that was that was really interesting. Uh, the stuff with the brother-in-law. I was like, oh, can he just switch spots with Curtis? I know, I know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, and, and there's a couple of times where they're in the same kind of vicinity, and you can tell the brother-in-law is just like, God, Curtis, like, shut this up, is dude. Terrible. I mean, that game where he plays. I mean, he's like, well, he's out there. He has got no excuse. You know, all this. That stuff. ain't like, no excuse. The yeah, brother. Yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, what? Like, yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, and, and the brother-in-law was like, "No, he shouldn't be out there." Like, this is shame on all these people, all these adults for yes. letting him play. Like, yeah, and he's spot on. He's spot on. It's all for money. Yeah, <laughs> as we hear from Spike Lee later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then Arthur also has not not on court stuff happening with like an injury like that. But this is where his dad leaves the house. His dad Bo leaves the house due to due to drug addiction. His uh, his family has to go on welfare because it's just his mom working. Um, and it, it, it's it's sad watch watching all of that and arthur you know doesn't doesn't handle it very well but this is where he kind of turns to basketball as an outlet which you you would think he would have been doing before but it seemed like basketball was just oh i'm just fucking good at this but then he was like no I, I need this like i need this thing and i'm gonna thrive on it and he starts he starts to have a real season his junior year he he becomes a much better he becomes a you know a guy who a guy who starts on varsity at marshall and got plays a lot more and uh, you know they're not they're not a great team, but they they play a lot better than his previous seasons, and that was nice to see. Uh, just just amazing that Arthur didn't just quit basketball and be like fuck all this and run off and and do whatever uh, in Chicago. He he stuck with it, and coach Coach Bedford definitely is is a reason why. Yeah, yeah I think. he played a huge role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes kind of a father figure for him. Uh, they they upset uh, that Dunbar that that huge Dunbar school, the vocational school. And that was those. Were, there were some great highlights in that game. Art, this is where you really see Arthur kind of like steal the ball and just go the length of the court and kind of yeah, he's so quick. Do this yeah. like Doctor J type layup where yeah. and he has the one the forearm band and you're like, hey, yeah. this guy's badass. Yeah. He, you know, you know who he reminded me of was Penny Hardaway. The way he moved uh-huh. a little bit. You yep. know, like yep. he's not as big, he's not as tall, but but there were some there were some flashes of of just like oh that actually kind of looked like Penny. You know, like that was that was like some of the open court stuff the quickness and the yeah those little inside out moves and yeah i, I thought I, that's that's what you reminded me of yeah so so they they do they do they do all right marshall that that junior season they do okay they they improve 
greatly compared to I think the year before they won like six games. They were like six and twenty or some bullshit, and they were terrible. Uh while St. Joseph, they make it to the sectionals again, and this is demoralizing. This is where you see uh he comes back for that game and and starts and it's like, okay, we're gonna like really play him. We're gonna like play him into the ground. And at the end of the game, it's like a Nick Anderson moment where he gets two free throws basically to down win one. Yeah, basically one. to win the game. Yeah. And misses them both. Misses both. Yeah. And not not really even close. It's no, like, yeah. Can and tell. you can tell he's so nervous. And yeah. Yeah. And this is where you get the quote from Curtis, his brother. Like, That's no, there's no excuse. Like he was out there, he should have made those yeah. free throws. And his brother in law is like, dude, like he's about to he's about to collapse. And yeah. And and Gates, it's it starts to turn for Gates. Well, he's, he's like obviously limping. He's it's just like, man, why is he playing? Like so ridiculous that the coach let him play. Like that was all in the coach to me. I mean, there's a couple of the people that maybe could have like helped, you know, maybe his mom, because his mom didn't really stop him from playing. No, she could have done more. She says some nasty stuff too. Yeah. Like as if they're both like dogs that she's raised. And she's like, well, one of them I thought was going to make it. Now I'm hoping this one makes it. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? She's got to make it. They're not. Yeah. Like kind of looking at him as like a ticket out rather yeah. than just like her son, you know? Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Her, her whole demeanor was strange to me. Compared like, to Sheila. It's like, yeah, Sheila's a, yeah. Hero. She, yeah, American she's hero. A, she's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, so St. Joseph is knocked out again by the same school, Gordon tech in the sectional finals. So they make it further in his freshman year than his sophomore and junior year. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, like he's one more, one more yeah. go around, which, which made me think that on his freshman team, the year that he was a freshman, they must've had some pretty good player. Cause he was not like some star right away. I mean, he was good, yeah. but he wasn't like, Oh, this is just, he's carrying them to, you know, yeah. I think they're a pretty well-balanced team is what it sounded like. You know, he just yes. happened to be like a good contributor as a freshman, which seemingly was rare at, the, at that school, you know? Correct. Correct. Uh, so, so now we're in between junior and senior year. And this is obviously, this is crunch time. Huge. Is, yeah. Huge summer too. Yep. Yeah. Huge summer. And this is where we get some of my favorite shit from, from the doc is when they, they go to the Nike camp. Yes. They go yeah. to the Nike All-American summer camp at Princeton. Uh, you got Dick Vitale and Spike Lee are there. And this is where we see kind of snippets of Jalen Rose, and Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard's like in the same dorm room yeah. uh, as, yeah. as, as, as Gates. So you say, hey mom or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey mom. Yeah. And Juwan Howard, of course, goes on, you know, he's a Chicago stud. He goes on to play at Michigan with Weber and Rose and Jimmy King and Ray Jackson. And they're the fab five and they go to two national championships in a row, 91, 92 and, uh, or 92, 93, lose to Duke, lose to Carolina. Um, and those guys like all made it to the NBA. And of course, Chris Weber goes on to be Hall of Famer. Fucking Chris Weber. Yeah. yeah. And Jalen Rose is now one of the premier voices in, in basketball analytics, you yeah. know, uh, and, uh, basketball media. Yeah. Yeah. And John yeah. Howard coaches, coaches Michigan. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> these guys are a big deal. Uh, yeah. and of course the fab five ESPN documentary is an absolute must see. I think it's a great kind yeah, of double feature. I think it's a double feat, a good double feature with, with something like hoop dreams. Uh, if you have five hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at this camp, the fab five is actually kind of short, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. yeah may, maybe a little shorter. Uh, yeah. even, you know, I remember watching it on TV and it had like that two hour window, you know, yeah. seven to nine, here we go. Like, yeah. well, I remember watching those 30 for thirties and those ESPN films, like when they came out that night. Uh, and now I'm like, uh, whatever, I'll record it and watch it when I can. Or <laughs> we, we paid four bucks a month for or five bucks a month for ESPN plus. ESPN plus. And they're all yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. All the time. We have access to them all the time. Yeah. And you have basketball love story, 20 hours of, yeah, yeah. 20 hours of basketball stuff. Uh, so at the, at this camp, and for man, they they're wearing those jerseys, the ABCD, and mm-hmm. it has the basketball with the pencil. Yeah, I want one of those real yeah, yeah. real bad. It's like a penny that they wear uh, for their scrimmages and stuff. Uh, and and Gates is like highly recruited still. Yeah. You know, oh, it's yeah. like, this guy's this guy's good. And you see Coach K 
You see John Thompson, Young Coach K. Yeah, weird. Uh, who who else was there? Uh, Bob Knight, Rick. Bob, yeah, Bob Knight has some great has a great little bit that quotes really good. Uh, yeah, about yeah. about how young young kids, no matter what level they're at, just even some NBA players, yeah. don't understand what basketball is all about. Yeah, oh, so good. Love Bob, love Bob Knight. Uh, but yeah, seeing Coach K, especially you know because he just finished his his last season at Duke, seeing him you know twenty five plus years ago. Uh, at this point, he's only been coaching for 14 years at, at Duke, or not even. When the movie comes out, he it's 14 years. In the in, in the actual this moment at the camp, it's you know it's like a decade. So, uh, really, really, really neat to see that stuff. This is this is where I think being a basketball fan, you just get that kind of like jolt of oh fuck yeah, like uh, seeing these faces and 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 where they're at in this camp is really really special. Yeah, yeah. So, but so, the, but the coach that that uh, I mean, yeah, the coach stuff was hilarious. And Dick Vitale and his like yeah. ridiculous outfit, shorts, like talking, yeah. To, yeah, high, yeah, just classic like old basketball coach look. But um, co- the coach Steve look, I should call it from yeah. from Big Mouth. But uh, <laughs> but the coach that that is like really on, and he'd been on on on, on Gates early uh, is the Marquette head coach at the time was Kevin O'Neill. Mm, um, yes. So yeah, but, I mean, so we we actually get a lot of him in throughout the whole thing i mean it's just yeah like very like kind of nerdy looking dude you know going in i love the home visit that he did oh, with them, like where you get a sense of like this is what it's like to kind of pitch to a family and all that stuff mm-hmm. it's like that's a that's a very like intimate look at what that's like you know and the assistant coach is on him you know the assistant coach is kind of like clearly the guy that's like kind of the go-between between like you know the black community and the white community it's like that's like yeah. every staff has to hey, have I'm a player cool. like that yeah. yes yes <laughs> yeah. every staff has to have that that guy i mean it's just it's just a, a you know necessity so um, but they're making it really obvious to him that, Hey, you will be a priority. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you come here, you will be a priority. And shortly after returning home from the camp, he, he signs letter of intent with yeah. Marquette and is like ahead of his senior season is I, I, I want to play at Marquette. This is what I want to do. And yeah, I, lo- I loved when coach O'Neill was like, now we want to win national championships. <laughs> and we want to get you prepared for the next level. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. That didn't quite happen. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Kev. But Marquette, man, you know, I mean, they've had, you know, fucking Dwayne Wade and some, some, some guys I love, Jimmy Butler, uh, Jay Crowder, some guys I, I really dig. Of course, Dwayne Wade's at the top of that list. But Will Gates is a, is a Marquette alumni. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, he, he ended up, they say in the credits where he ends up going afterwards. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll probably get to that at the end. I think, I think that there's going to be something about that. Uh, okay. So <laughs> Gates while he does well in school, seems to struggle with the ACT a lot. Yeah, takes it like six times, and you yeah. have to get an, you had to get an eighteen a composite, a composite score. Yeah, yeah, of of eighteen to get into Marquette, and he keeps yeah he keeps getting fifteen or sixteen, and that was like oh my god, like yeah. just let him go there, damn it! <laughs> like, I get it. You you want to have some sort of you know standard for academics and. Every school is like, look, now your education is the most important thing, which yeah. is bullshit. Like we, we know that, especially for sports. Uh, there's guys who don't even go to class, uh, especially nowadays. So I, I, I just thought that was so interesting how he seemed to do pretty well, get, you know, mostly B's, some A's in actual class. But this ACT, this, it, it, there was like so much pressure on him to get a certain score. And it reminds you of what happens to him on the court when there's like that much pressure, like will doesn't rise. And I thought that was really fascinating how those translated. The ACT was like the sectional game. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of high school kids. Shit. It happened to me. I, 
I would I would get so nervous before basketball games where I knew I needed to play well, and then I would get really nervous for something like an ACT where where I'm thinking about like whoa this is going to be something that's affecting me when I'm 20, 21, 22, graduating from whatever school that they think I should go to, like kind of mind boggling stuff when you're a teenager just trying to trying to fucking talk to girls and you know yeah. <laughs> eat, eat burgers and and pizza you know like it's just this wild kind of life altering thing that happens in between all of that it's, it's, it's kind of scary it is it is and, it, and it's the part of ah oh, man i'm trying to think how much to get into this but it's a part of like what i do it's so so i coach a team but i also like i use the school that i coach at as like part of the reason i, I i've stayed there and because I, I love the kids but also like it does get me a gym for when i want to work with kids from mm. other schools or whatever it, it gets me a place to like train kids and so um, I do a lot of like one-on-one training, group training, things like that. And a lot of the one-on-one settings, I like, I get to know the kids like pretty intimately. I yeah. mean, like, you're with them just for like an hour, hour and a half, like just, just the two of you, you know, and you're just talking and I'm trying to get these kids to open up. Like, I don't want this to be this like boring hour for them, you know? And there, there are definitely a few kids that I've talked to that like, that I've worked with that like absolutely love it. And they like, can't wait for the workout. And like, because it's a combination of, they love basketball. They like working out with me and it's like, this is a chance to get better, all this stuff. And then there's some that's like, man, this is clearly dad pushing this or mm. mom pushing this. And mm. I then feel like it's my duty to just be like, okay, this isn't necessarily what I want to be right now, but I'm at least gonna make this as enjoyable as possible for them because like, this is like a pressure filled thing that they have to do, you know, this basketball yeah. thing. Yeah. And then there's the rare people, which I have, I, I would say two girls right now um, that are like, have like all of the pieces of the kind of like what it takes to get to the highest level. I mean, one of them has a bunch of D one offers already. She's um, sophomore right now. And there, there are times where it's like, man, I kind of wish she could just be like a 16 year old girl. But I also like the fact that she wants this makes, makes it easier for me to be like, okay, no, like she actually wants this stuff. She wants the extra work. She wants, I mean, she comes, you know, voluntarily just like our boys open gyms. Cause she's like, mm. I just want to keep playing, keep playing. Keep playing. And there's a clear love there. Like that's like, okay, I'm going to keep, you know, fostering that, feeding like, that, you yeah. know, it kind of with her parents, I'm going to kind of like, you know, help like keep pushing her because she can handle it. You know what I mean? But then there are other kids I work with. that's like, that's not, they're, they're not that driven. They're not that driven. And they're not lesser people. They're just no. not as driven yeah. in the game of basketball as, as this, as this one girl is, you know? And so I, I just, I don't know. I, I see kind of like all these different sides and like some, some of these people who make it and some of them don't, it just comes down to, did the right person come along in their life at the right time to kind of like either push them or not push them, you know? Cause like some people, the, the expectations and the pressure breaks them and they go to a much darker place than they would have gone. Then if they're a coach at some point in their life could have just been like, Hey, it's okay. This isn't that big of a deal to you. Like, it's okay. Keep playing. Cause you love it. And it's like, you help the team. And it's all that stuff. Like that's fine. But if you don't want to like work every single day and like become like a D one player, that's okay. It's yeah. Okay. Just play. And like, let's enjoy other things and let's make you as good of a person as you possibly can be. And that's it. You know? And so there are some kids that, that I just do that with, you know, there's kids that I work out with. And I'm like, why exactly are you paying for training? Like, you don't even like really like this. Yeah, but I think they're just yeah. kind of like, I just want to be as good in high school as I can. And I like working with you and like, that's it. And I'm like, okay, that's good enough for me. That's fine. You know, yeah, like, yeah, all good. I mean, I worked with a kid today who's awesome. He was on my JV team. Really like just a great kid. But he's like, definitely not a college player. Like, I mean, there's mm-hmm. just, so it's like, he just, he just wants to get better. Cause he's like, I enjoy basketball when I'm better. Like I want to play more. Uh, yeah. I, I want to like yeah, get yeah. on the court more. You know, it's like, I don't want to, cause he would ask me after games, like, what do I need to do to get better? I was like, you need to work on this, this, and this. And so he's like, okay. And then like the season ended, he's like, I want to go work on those things with you. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. So that's great. Yeah. It's like, that's why, you know, I do it. Cause it's like, there's just him who's, you know, he's, he might even be a college football player. Cause he's, yeah, that's kind of his goal. But, um, but in basketball, he was just like, I just, I don't, I'm tired of just like not getting as many minutes as I think I yeah. can eventually earn. He's like, I don't think I deserve more because he's like, 
but I need to get better so that you can, there's no reason for you to take me off the court. And I was like, that's an amazing attitude. That's great. But it's also not like a total flaw. If someone's like, no, I just play basketball because I like it. It's just fun. Yeah. You know, I like hanging out with my friends during basketball season. Straight up. That's okay yeah. too. You know? Yeah. Both, both things, both, and it, it's not like there's just two avenues. There's every avenue can be, can be something beautiful. Yes. If you're, if you're LeBron James and you're like, yes. you breathe, you shit that stuff. You're like, this is, this is what I do. Yeah. I'm going to get better every single day. It's great. I don't have an ounce of that in, in my in my in my being. I, I I'm far too eclectic. One of my one of my favorite scouting reports on any player ever is Mo Bamba, who plays for the Magic and went to Texas. And they said that uh, I don't think he's going to make it in the long run because he has too many eclectic uh, hobbies. Yeah, interest, and other interest. interest. Yeah. And I remember hearing him say that on the shop uh, that HBO show, and he was like, "What? Like, yeah, because I care about." other things other than basketball that, that that's just the nature of it that's how people treat it it's like oh you're not going to be this workhorse who just cares about this one thing like you also want to be good at 2k yeah <laughs> you also want to be good at painting or like learn an instrument yeah, yeah. you want to play piano <laughs> like shame on you you know and, and that's why right now one of my favorite players in the entire world is jalen brown because jalen brown makes music he does uh he does all kinds of you know volunteer work around charity work yeah, yeah he does yeah. black lives matter stuff he cares about his his uh his hometown city of Atlanta. And he cares about the kids that, that, that go to Cal, which is where he went to school. He cares about the people of Boston changing their ways and not being like borderline racist. And yeah. that's great. That's wonderful. I I don't see, I don't see how you can't appreciate both things. And, and this comes back to not just William and, and Arthur. It, it's and like, you're speaking about the kids that you've experienced this with is you, 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 you gotta like take time to get to know them. You gotta take time to, what do you want out of this? Like no, that doesn't get asked, especially in this doc. Never gets asked. So what do you that, want? That, that's funny that you, you said that question because I I like to do that when I first start working with kids. Like because what happens the way the way this happens is like, um, okay, I've worked with this person. Uh, this they go play in a tournament. Someone's talking to their parents like, oh, like this person's like playing pretty well. Like who do they work with? You know. Um, and then the parent can be like, oh, this guy, or, or th- that's how I've gotten a lot of stuff like recently. Um. And so then the parent will call me and be like, oh, I hear you do this. Like, would you be able to work with my daughter or son? And then it's like, Here, here's what they're like. Here's what they're like. And I listen, I, before I even meet the kid, I hear the, so much about the kid from the parent. So then finally, when the workout actually starts and the parent like walks away and goes to the bench, I say, okay, what do you want out of this? Like, yeah, I, they, yeah. like they've told me everything. Like they've told me all this stuff. They told me about you. They tell me, about, but like, I, 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 mean, I, I hear, care, yeah. but like, you're the one doing the workout. Like you're the one that's yeah. going to be doing this. Like, what do you, and the, the, some of them, they like love it. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. Here's this, and they have like a prepared thing. And then some of them like are surprised because like nobody ever asked them that. You know, they're just like, oh, I don't like, I've never really thought uh, about that. Way. It's like, it's like, but yeah, but like, it's your like career. It's like your basketball like life. Like, yeah. what do you want out of this? You know? And so they're like, what do you want to get better at? You know, they've told me like, oh, I think I think she needs to work on this, or I think he needs to do this, this, and this. And it's like, what do you think you need to get better at? Where do you feel uncomfortable in the game? And you can tell there's just like this instant like, oh, cool. Like, and and then hopefully like, like a relationship builds from that. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that uh, it's funny that you said that question because yeah, I always end up asking that. And it's and yeah, I always wait till the parents gone though because it's like I don't. Of course. I don't want them to be like, oh well, I think you know, like interject. It's like no, no, I, I actually want to hear from them. Now like, Timothy, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I actually want to hear from the kid themselves. Yeah. Like what do they want? The goal is D one. The the, yeah. the ceiling is D one. The floor is D two. You know, like yeah. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's ultimately up to up to the individual that's going to be in play, even if they're not the ones paying for it. Uh, they're the ones taking that action, and that that's huge. Yeah, I've I've, I've watched you do workouts before, and I've seen. <laughs> I won't say any names, but I've seen the difference in someone who's damn good, 
and wants to be damn good. And if they mess up a drill, they throw the ball at the wall and they're fucking pissed. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a kid who's just like, that was fun. Yeah. That was tight. I, I took 33s. Yeah, that's yeah. dope. Like, that's cool. Now and, I talk, and I talked to a guy who knows a lot about basketball yeah. for, for an hour. Like, that's yep. great. And we went to get some burgers after and, and what and whatever. And we, you know, played 2K or whatever it is, you know, like, that's great. But I've seen the difference. And they're both equally fascinating to me. Yeah. And they're both yeah. worth, they're both worth that time. Kids Definitely. are kids Definitely. are always worth that time, uh, for sure, hundred percent. Uh, that's that's great. I knew I knew at some point we kind of go down this road of, like, like what is the point of teaching a kid something, coaching a kid something, mm -hmm. and, and just kind of the philosophy of it, which is so interesting. Especially what's the point of playing sports? Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, think about that all the time. I, yeah, I, like is this just like so stupid that we're doing this? You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's times where like why why am I doing this? Why am I driving you know up here to work with this kid for an hour and a half when it's like they're not even that great? You know, it's like. It's like, yeah. no, but no, but like, there's such value in just like the human connection of like what we're doing. And then also like, we're not on our phones for an hour and a half. And That's like, great. It's just a way. And we're just talking Being and active, working on something. Yeah. Else. And it's like that there's value in that. And then there's also value in just like, it, you know, cause I think there's a fine line, you know, we were talking earlier. It's like, I don't think it's a character flaw that someone's like, Hey, I actually don't want to pour like all that time in basketball, but there also is, there's also a fine line between that and then the laziness. Like, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I actually yeah. do care about this. And I'm just like, I'm lazy. I don't want to put in the work for that right now. You know what I mean? That That's different than like, Oh, actually, I actually just, I like other things. Like I like other things. I'm going to pour, I'm going to pour my time into these other things. That's, that's where I think it's like not a flaw, but where I think it's a flaw is like, I'm not, I'm not going to pour my time into anything. I'm just going to sit around. Like mm. that's when it can turn into, okay, that's now not like, Oh, I just like other things. You're just being lazy. You know what I mean? Correct. So there is a fine line in that. And I hope that comes across. I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, anybody who just like decides do not whatever to work you hard. Want. Yeah. 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 It's like, no, no, no. You need to work hard on things. Like, but it doesn't have to be like basketball is my, is, is like my point when I you know tell some kids, but like, or it doesn't be sports in, in general, just at all. You know, it's just like, whatever you decide to work hard, at, work hard at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if, or if you want to work pretty hard at a bunch of different things and like have all these different interests, that's cool too, you know, but don't just do nothing, you know, that yeah. don't just do nothing. So, but, but the, the value of it is, is the like, hopefully lessons they take from like just these like little workouts or, or team and stuff like that I do into like other parts of life. And it's an avenue kids want to be there, right? Like an English teacher has a little bit harder time connecting to kids. And that's why like a coach has a, such an easier leg up because they've signed up to play basketball. They didn't mm. sign up to go to English class. They have to go to English class. Correct. So like they have a harder task, like trying to get kids to like buy in and develop and, and like, you know, just communicate with them. Whereas like, I have such a leg up as a coach because like they actually want to be here. This is, you know, I mean, yes. sometimes there's kids who are like, I don't think they really want to be here. Dad wants them to be here. But, but it's when you sign up for a team, usually it's like, you do want to play. Yeah, it's, I mean? it's, nine and a half times out of 10, it's more fun than English class. Yes. Uh, I, I love, I love a good, uh, a good, you know, discussion about literature, a good teacher, a yeah. good teacher can, can, can change everything. Uh, I, I feel like I didn't have nearly enough of them growing up. I, I, I just don't think they're, they're cared about enough or paid enough to, to care themselves. You know, uh, I think yeah. a lot, I think a lot of coaches and teachers, if you gave them more, they'll give you more, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> For sure. So uh, it's like, it's very, very, very simple. Uh, you know, you give the coach pings of the world everything they want, but you know, there's, there's other coaches out there who are probably trying a little uh, harder. Coach Ping. Yeah, Coach Ping. Uh, Pinger. <laughs> but let's, let's get back to Coach Ping uh, in St. George. Yeah, we can continue with the movie. I know there's uh, so many different branches. We're almost to the end here. Yeah. We're almost to the end. We're, we're, so we're, we're going into, the, into their senior season. So just just to briefly recap, so they go to the they go to the camp. Uh, William Gates goes to the camp, right? And uh, Marquette, he's he eventually does sign with Marquette. He's basically yeah. signed with him. Yeah. While Arthur has like junior colleges after him, like oh this guy could be like a huge piece on our on our team at this at a small. School. Arthur is not at the camp. 
No, he's not. He does no, not go. No, no, no. It's invite only, and yeah, Arthur is not getting invited. Well, yeah, and he doesn't have a good enough season. Uh, yeah, but his senior season. Yes. Oh boy, this is this dude, is the dude best. Goes off. Yeah. This is the most chilling part of like. Yeah. This is the sports part. Like, ah, oh, the come up, the comeback. You know, comeback season for for Arthur. So they both play. Uh, Gates senior year, Saint jo- Saint Joseph season. Uh. They, they they like losing the second round of the playoffs to this this cool uh, school called Nazareth Academy. Her this just machine. They look like a well oiled machine, honestly. Man, that and that that place was packed. Yeah, there were so that many fans there. Awesome. Yeah. I yeah. I love that. I, I thought it was interesting how the uh, Kevin O'Neill, the Marquette coach, is like, "You ready to play in front of you know fifteen thousand? It's like I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have it. I, high school games where everybody's screaming and parents are. Get my kid back in the game, you know? Yost! <laughs> uh, do, Taking out and out. Do, yeah, doing that whole bit. When they lose to Nazareth, Arthur's there. He's at that game. And he's in, you know, street clothes. He's watching because his, you know, his Marshall team is also in the playoffs, uh, playing in a, a different section because they're a public school. And they hug after, the, after that. Like, they embrace. They've clearly remembered each other from their freshman year playing at St. Joseph together. And they've clearly connected on a personal level, personal level since then, you know, uh, throughout their four years of, of high school, that was a really sweet moment. It was, uh, them, it was. Two, them two hugging and they tell each well, other, they love, they're like, I love I, you, man. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah. And he's like, man, I, I wanted this so bad. Will Gates is like, I wanted to win so bad. And Arthur's like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to try to do. Yeah. You know? It's like, Oh that was no. Like, I, yeah. I, yeah. I almost started crying when that, yeah. that happened. Cause it was like, it, Arthur had rediscovered that like love. And it was like, Hey, this was this thing that we bonded over. And like, I think Arthur was almost trying to tell him, like, I'm like, I'll get you, man. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm still going for this. Like that, like that was, yeah, there was something about that moment that was just like so beautiful. These two kids who were like kind of ripped from like their like base or whatever. And like, you know, I mean, you know, willing, I mean, it wasn't like they just like, Oh no, I don't want to go to St. Joe's. Like it's, it was an honor to go to St. Joe's, right? Like yeah. they don't just take anyone, you know? So <laughs> it's where coach Ping's at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the legendary coach Ping. Uh, so, so like that, you know, clearly like that's a, that's a, that's a draw. They want to go there. And like for one of them it works out, for one of them it doesn't. But in this other route of life, like Arthur has found success and found like a good niche and has rediscovered this love of basketball, this thing that they bonded over all those years earlier. And now it's like Arthur's turn to be like, no, I'll keep, I'll carry it on. You know, I'll, I'll take this load. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. And he does. And he does. And he lights it up in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and they go on this like miracle run. It's yeah. Awesome. This crazy public school run where they're, they're, they're basically the underdog in every matchup is, yeah. is what we're told. And Arthur is just, Man, I could watch him play in those games where he just gets amped after every play, like like he's Russell Westbrook from 2016-17, just yeah. freaking out over anything he does. Really cool, really inspiring. And they they go on this insane run. They go to the Final Four. They go downstate. Marshall goes downstate for they the do. first time in like 20 years or something. Yeah, it was, I think the 1960s. Yeah, I'm, I'm 30, 30, 30 years, 30, yeah. 30 plus years, and they they go they go downstate <laughs> thanks to Coach Luther. Uh, and and of course Arthur Arthur's great play. And they also have another guard who seemingly was like also awesome. They have like a yeah, like, and they keep talking about like their team speed and their press yeah. and all that stuff. And it's like so clear that I mean this is not just like some chumps around it. Like these are good players probably. Yeah, you know. Like, and coach Coach Bedford, I, I would love in those games, yeah. those playoff games. Anytime they'd have like adversity, he'd be like, "You guys are playing soft. Yeah, <laughs> you're playing lazy. Like yeah. you gotta be, you gotta be creative. You gotta go fast. Like yeah, if if you play quick at this level, like you can beat anybody because just because of the the amount of time that's that's played in a high school game, and just the the mentality of high schoolers is like if you punch them in the mouth, yeah." Chances are you're gonna have a you're gonna have a shot. Uh, I see you have the Bradley Center uh, up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of that is because because he talked about 
you know, Kevin O'Neill, the market yes, coach, like, yes, yeah, what is the, the capacity? It, it, just, it had just opened, so it's, it's 18,000. I mean, it, you know, okay, and it's where okay. the Bucks eventually play, and, and Marquette plays. So, there, how, there how many people too. do you think are at the high school game? There's got to be well, it's 8,000 smaller gym. No, I wouldn't say that many. I know, I mean, it's a little bit of a smaller gym. They, at that point, the Nazareth one, they hadn't gone. It wasn't like at a neutral that's right. place. That's yet. right. It was just that's like at a right. high school. So, so, so the, I'd say two, two, two or three thousand. Yeah. But probably the the final four game that oh, Arthur yeah, no, plays in. Yeah. There's got to be like eight. Yeah, eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah, yeah. can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> seventeen. These people just screaming. Yeah, yeah. And so they, yeah, they go on. They play this huge school, uh, Manuel High School, who who, who just was a, was a you know, freakishly good team. Uh, and, and you know, John Marshall, they, they give they give their best shot. Arthur plays good. He has. He has some turnovers though, and they're definitely fatigued. He mentions at one point they played five games in six days. Yeah, you're like, yeah. holy shit. So yeah, it must have been the type of 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 uh, tournament where it's like two games off, two games. You know what I mean? It's like like they just play the next day. You know, like yeah. Which I, I to me, states that do that and Texas does it for the very end, the final four. Like I, that doesn't create the best like play, and, and you're getting these. And that's probably why they were able to upset teams because they play a style yeah. that you probably. You needed to practice for burn to be used to. You yeah. know what I mean? So it probably helped them to go on the Kind of like St. Peter's in the tournament. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I played this style. There's... It's like, oh man, if you had a couple of days prepared, you could you could beat this team. But if not, then you know, yeah, you might be screwed. So yeah, I mean I've got, that plays into their hands. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's 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 beautiful. Cause then at that game, Will is there and they hug again after yeah. the game. Yeah. So they both like greet greet each other. And this is where if you're a cinema lover or you documentary lover, movie lover, this is like, wow. I mean, this is sweeter than all the Avengers coming together or whatever, you know, whatever moment or red and uh, Andy coming together in Shawshank at the end. It's like, this is, this is real life. Yeah. This, this actually is, happened. Yeah. This is real fucking life. This is, they're capturing this in real time. And it is a beautiful moment of these two guys coming together uh, again, saying like, I love you, man. You know, like you did, you played great. You gave it your all. Like, hopefully we can, continue this yeah and and the movie like the movie starts coming to an end you know yeah, yeah. we see we see little bits here and there you know you see uh will with his with his daughter and then you see him go to marquette and he's in his dorm uh you see arthur go to the school in missouri uh mississippi uh, uh southern mississippi. missouri mineral area college in missouri oh it was missouri yeah, southern yeah. Missouri. yeah and they play that like country music yes. when he goes there and yeah. he's one of seven black kids yeah. In the school. Well, they're like all on the basketball team. Yeah. Because like his six dorm is like four. Them, yeah. Six of them live in the same house. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. my God. And Arthur is, of course, one of them. They show, they show like Arthur and his buddies are like, they're like cutting each other's hair. How about the coach? Up. The mustachioed coach with the just undo it poster. Yeah. <laughs> the girl with the key. It's like, what? Incredible. <laughs> Who is this guy? I, I, lo- I loved the, the, yeah, that head coach when he goes to, goes to Arthur's house, the AG's house. Uh, and they're like not sold. Oh no, Bo's like, no, like, if you want. <laughs> and Arthur's like, I, don't, I just want to play. I don't yeah. really give a shit. I, don't, yeah. I really don't like, care. I'll just, I'll just sign it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the coach says, let's do it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that line. Well, like, I think the coach knows I'm getting the steal here. You know oh, I mean? yeah. Like, I'm getting my best player. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and and he play, he plays there. Uh, we see in the credits that Will, William plays at Marquette. Uh, doesn't play like a whole lot or anything. He's not like a standout. And starts to lose interest in basketball as he's at Marquette. And Arthur Ag goes on to play at, I believe, Arkansas State University. Yep. Uh, and you know, is like a starting point guard there. So pretty amazing how this this documentary over time. You think William, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy, he's going to NBA. This or he's going to go to Indiana or something or, or you know, powerhouse school. He goes to Marquette, good school. 
but then just kind of loses loses that 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 passion that he had that that pure drive that people were kind of forcing on him pressuring him to have throughout high school uh and that's it marquette's it for him and at the end you know there it's 1994 so they're still in school and they say arthur ag like still wants to play in the nba like, yeah. he still has that burning desire to just play i just want to play i just want to play i want to play the highest level whatever level i can get in at he, he's he's down and i love that about him i love during his senior year when he's getting interviewed and he's like ah you know the way i play you know i think think the way we play as Marshall and the way I play, it's, it's kind of like on any given day, we can kind of beat anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Just kind of mindless, thoughtless part of athletes where it's that like, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's yeah. this like unrelenting. I, I'll, I'll always, I'll always just show up yeah, and kind of go and yeah. go and go at people. That's something I also have like never quite had. Even when I played, I was a decent player in high school, but I never had that just, fuck it. Just fuck it. I don't really care. I was always the guy who was like, now this guy on this team is really good. And this guard and this forward, like they're the best players. He was, Arthur was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> give me the, give me the damn ball. You yeah. Know? And I love that about certain athletes who just don't give a shit on any given day. I can show up and, and, and be the best player. Yeah. And so the more, the more I kind of think about the, you know, their two paths and, and, and kind of the, you know, the, the road they go down, I think that lack of like intense pressure in, in Arthur's kind of middle part of high school is what led to him continuing to love it yep. beyond high school. You know yes. what I mean? Whereas like William is like, yeah, I'm done. I mean, I like, I'm, you know, he like, got to find it himself. Yes. Arthur. Like, Oh yeah, actually, I actually do love this. Like yeah. not everybody around me. I love this. You know what I mean? And like, and that's, that's cool. I'm going to, I'm going to chase this again. Whereas like William is just like, Oh, this is all, everything I have to deal with. Like he's, he, I think he loved like the game of basketball, like, like playing in a game of basketball. But I think he was like all the stuff around it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Miss me with that. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sick of that. So, so it just kind of like, and I think that's why so many people lose their love of it. I mean, you know, this kid I, I worked with in St. Louis for a while who just finished his college career. And he's like, you know, by the end, I was just kind of like, just ready for it to be done. It's yeah. Like, you know, he's like, I love basketball and I love it. You know, I love, I'm glad I played, but he's like, it's just kind of because of the coaching stuff and some of the politics and all that. He's like, I just kind of was like, he's like, I love my teammates. Bus rides are fun. Locker yeah. room's fun. Yeah. He's like, but I don't know everything around it. He's like, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I'm done, you know, type thing. It's like, man, that's, that's a bummer. That's why, but I see. That's why I think like my kind of bottomless passion comes from maybe maybe that the fact that I didn't play in college. You know what I mean? It's like mm. maybe that would have been kind of like pounded out of me. And it's like no, I still just love it like a fan. Like I still buy jerseys and I still yes. go to games. And I'm yes. excited to you know go watch random high school games and go to watch college games and you know what, go to NBA games. Like I, I'm still I still love it. I just I just love it. So um, I yeah I think that that played a big role. I mean it's like there is a there is this point. Where it can just be, it can just be too much. Yeah, and I think it happens really to girls more than boys. And, and like the more I coach girls, and like some of these girls, by the time they're done, even their senior year of high school, they're just like, yeah, I'm done with this. Like I just yeah, this is insane. Just kind of tired of this. Yeah, so I don't know. It's, and 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 it happens. It happens in all sports, you know. Oh yeah, we, we just saw we just saw the best female tennis player in the world retire at age 25. She's like, eh. yeah, yeah. I like I've I've given everything I have since I was like 11. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I think. I think I've had a full career already and you're 25 and people will kind of bash her. And I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally against that. I'm more like, no, I, I understand, especially with something like tennis, you play from a very early age. Well, that's so singular. Yeah. You're just by yourself. Yes. And yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a solid, you know, solitary sport where you're like, that, that's what, you know, like, like, like that one you know player told me recently is like, 
at least, I mean, he had teammates. At least he's like, I have the locker room. I have the, you know what I mean? It's like, Bus rights, yeah. Yes. It's yeah. like, that's, I still have that. Oh, you know? I, I think yeah. about that stuff all the time. The camaraderie. The, yeah, well, that's what I still get. You yeah, know? I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I love it. It's, and that's what I try to tell kids who are in high school, if they're, if they play something, like, hold on to it. Yeah. Because yeah. it will be gone. It will be gone. Oh, yeah. And it'll Quick, be gone quicker than you fast. Realize. Yeah. Yep. Four years is very quick, you know, uh, it, with anything. You know, my, 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 my daughter's three. And it's like, that's gone by very fast. Yeah. Went by just as fast as, you know, three years of high school. Uh, it, it's a blink of an eye type thing. And you have to, you, you do have to cherish it. But uh, yeah, when, when these credits roll and Hoop Dreams ends, you know, you're, you're, th- you're three hours in and you're like, wow. Yeah. Kind of wiping the tears. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, you just, you just feel, you feel like you've seen humanity in all forms. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the power of it. I can understand why someone would be like, it's almost too much information. There's almost too much. So, you know, society, societal uh, studies, uh, too yeah. many things to kind of dissect to where it's overwhelming. I get that. And I think we've talked a lot about different stuff, especially involving basketball here on, on this episode. But man, that's that's why I love it because yeah. it's this, it's this, it's everything everywhere all at once. You know, it has it has, <laughs> it has all these tentacles that it could go even deeper. I mean, really, you know, I I know you know it's maybe podcast I don't want, but it, I mean, it could so easily be a like twelve part documentary. You know what I mean? Like where it's almost a show. I mean, it's like now, yes, that's what would happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. now yeah. it would be like a like OJ Bay in America. It'd be like a five part. Yes, two hours each. It'd be a ten hour full on. Let's use know. this to tell like, yeah. the intersection of like. Well, and, 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 yeah, I mean, the, the history of the NBA, I mean, just in that little period, the amount oh. of things that happened in the NBA is like, it's, it's crazy the amount of stuff that happens in that little four year period that they tell this story in. Like, I mean, or really, if you expand it out to 94, when it actually comes out 87 in, to 94, I mean, oh my just a, gosh, a, a quantum leap in the popularity of the NBA. Like, yeah, like it's really, it's, it's, it's remarkable, you know, um, the levels that it's taken to in that little, in that little stretch there. It's yeah. And that's all happening as these guys are, I mean, you know, you see the gear, you see that you know, in college basketball too, it's like. It's just exploding the popularity of basketball in that little stretch. And so that's a little tentacle you can go down. Um, and then, yeah, the socioeconomic stuff. And I mean, just, yeah, what's fair, what's not, you know, uh, how do we handle addiction? How do we talk about, yeah, yeah. how do we talk about people who've been disappointed, um, like the older brother? And like, I mean, there's so many things you can just discuss, like, you know, branch off of the main story. And that's, again, yeah, why it's so good. I mean, it's such a compelling story. I mean, and, and one that's so, what maybe the most sad, I guess I'll say, is, how common it still is you know what i mean like it's still applicable right now right now and will be will be for the foreseeable future you know like it's it's yeah i mean so many of the of the parts that are like kind of a bummer are just like still happening all the time you know still a bummer today yeah yeah yeah. i mean the scene the scene and we can talk about kind of you know maybe some best and worst type scene type stuff i know you guys have categories we'll get to but yeah um the scene when he arthur is playing basketball he's younger and he's he's basically watching his dad buy drugs on that on that corner kind of away from the hoop and it's like his body language his body just like kind of shuts down like he just kind of dies why he's just like oh like he's really doing that like right now like he's like maybe i kind of knew but i could kind of like pretend like i didn't know because it's like it's happening away from me yep. he's like now now i have to confront this like and i'm 15 or however old it's like yeah oh my god that, that was like brutal to shattering watch. Yeah, yeah like just so hard and his dad just doesn't it's like he just doesn't care he just doesn't you know yeah like he couldn't even go around the around the corner of the building towards like well, at least you don't do it right in front of your son. You know, it's like, man, I mean, but that's also just like, that's how, how addiction grips you. But, but his, his arc is fascinating. Bo's? Yes. It is. It is. Yeah. Bo and Sheila could have their own fucking documentary. Easily. Easily. <laughs> it's nuts. Coach Ping could have his own documentary. Yeah. Coach Ping. The scout. 
oh yeah oh yeah the scout coming yeah. back around yeah i, I think yeah. i think you're gonna be bringing that up later yeah yeah uh yeah god yeah this is hoop dreams is is, is amazing so I, i'm sure you you've you've logged on letterbox is it a five yeah yeah five stars and right? i don't have many five stars no i know i'm a little stingier with it than, yeah. than most people but um and i don't have nearly as many films as you do so like, i guess the numbers maybe, that, maybe the raw numbers aren't high but I, w- I would guess that your percentage of movies that are five stars is higher than mine uh i've got i've got a little over a hundred out of like 2500 oh yeah oh yeah you're way higher yeah because yeah. i have about 1300 movies logged i think or maybe 1200 movies logged um and i have like 25 yeah stars, okay yeah. yeah so yeah yeah, oh yeah, quite a bit. Quite yeah, a bit more. Yeah, yeah I, so. I definitely give them give them out. Uh, I'm just, I, I'm, you've always known. I, I, I'm very easily floored by 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 stuff, by movies mostly and, and music. Um, like we just saw last night, um, everything everywhere all at once. Give it four and a half. I did. Thought it was really good, but on a second viewing, I could see it moving up. I thought it was just one of the most unusual and, and yeah, amazing things are pairings yeah like, i, yeah, I, 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 I would like to watch this am I seeing? yeah i mean it was so silly at times yeah. but it made me cry at the end and I, I mean i felt so many emotions and i was so entertained i i, I told caitlin that I, I didn't think i was gonna laugh that much i didn't know it was gonna be that funny you know what i mean me like, either i didn't yeah. know i didn't I, I didn't know a lot of stuff was gonna happen i knew jamie lee curtis was, in a, was a producer and she was in it i didn't know she was gonna be in it that much i didn't yeah. know she was gonna have hot dog fingers yeah yeah so yeah Go see that movie if anyway, you can. Yeah, I'm sure if, y'all talk about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On tomorrow's sneak preview, uh, oh, Connor's yeah. going to mention it. Uh, Caleb, who's going to be on that episode, he lives in Virginia and it's not showing there. So only Connor can see it. Yeah. Luckily, uh, there are some places in Texas, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, Austin, of course, that still show movies like that. They, we have, you know, we have a lot of theaters uh, in Texas and we still get movies like that. So, but there are states out there that just won't be able to see it. And that's so sad to me. Um, I hate when that happens to me. Uh, I, I know that's not a, not an easy feeling, but if you can go go check that movie out, it's it's fantastic. But yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. It's a five star five star movie. Hoop dreams. Yeah, I agree. You want to get to the categories? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, briefly, I want to look at the uh, 67th Academy Awards. This is uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show. This is where Forrest Gump kind of dominates. Not really my kind of film, but it's it's fine. It's entertaining. Uh, I just think there's some some better stuff that came out came out that year. Uh, at this ceremony, uh, Hoop Dreams, famously not nominated for Best Documentary. <laughs> the, kind of the reason for that, uh, there's like a big controversy around it. It kind of changed the category forever because Hoop Dreams was like, what? what? How is this not just winning? Winning Best Doc. Is the way they would, it, it, this isn't still to this day, but at this time in the 90s, mostly through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you would have a room of people, voters and, and whatnot, and a, a screening and they would watch these documentaries and, and the way they did it was so dumb because it would be like fatigue would settle in when you're watching doc after doc after doc. And when they got to hoop dreams, they would have these people would have flashlights. And if they basically gave up on the documentary or on the film, they would wave the flashlight at the screen briefly and then put the flashlight back down. And whenever there were so many flashlights, they would turn it off. Hoop Dreams didn't make it 20 minutes through its screening with these voters, with these accounts. Like, God, are you kidding me? And uh, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of story around it. And I, I definitely suggest, you know, people, I recommend people go, go, go do their own research. Uh, you know, Siskel and Ebert were like furious about finding out about this. And they, they famously talked, both talked about it. Uh, Cause they both thought it was one of the best movies of the entire year, not just doc, but 
uh, just films in general. And I agree with them. Uh, just crazy. There's a lot of stupid shit that happens with the Oscars. <laughs> We're seeing that it still happens uh, to this day. You know, fucking, you know, Coda won Best Picture. And, and of course, the stuff with Will Smith. And there's certain movies not nominated and, and, and passed over and uh, snubbed, however you want to put it. But this is this is this is something that had to change, and a lot of documentarians were like, "You can't do that. You need to watch the whole thing. You need to you need to actually be a grown up about it, <laughs> and, and watch the whole doc, and then give your two cents." You watch twenty minutes of Hoop Dreams. That's what what's you know twenty minutes out of one hundred and eighty. Like, are you kidding me? That's just that's so silly to me. And when I read that, I was furious, and I was like, "Okay, I get why." But then it's nominated for best film editing because I read also that there were people who liked it and were like, no, like they, they sought it out after that screening. They sought it out or people who saw it Sundance and it won best doc there. They pushed for it. They pushed for it. They pushed for it. And so it got kind of that eh, film editing. We'll throw you in there. And film editing to, to, to a cinephile is a huge category. It means a whole lot. And a lot of times we'll tell you who's going to win best picture. A lot of times they, 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 they align best film editing and best picture, or at least, Best film editing will be in the best picture category. Um, that happens a lot, but with Hoop Dreams, you know, uh, it just that's all that's all that's all it received. And of course, it should have won best documentary, but at least it got something. And that's why we're able to talk about it on Oscar Sunday because you have to have at least one nomination to be brought up on this show. Uh, and so that's I was like, yeah, fuck it, we got we <laughs> we got to use it. So this category uh, was won by Forrest Gump. Uh, you got Hoop Dreams, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, and Speed. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know that's a that's a murderer's row. Those are some amazing movies. Uh, if I were choosing, I would vote for Hoop Dreams because I think simply because there's 250 hours of footage. You narrow it down to three. You make a good you know movie that's pretty easy to follow, even if you don't know a lot about basketball. Yeah, a compelling narrative. Yeah, Steve yeah. James does a good job narrating. He's got kind of a monotone voice that doesn't make you kind of lean one way or the other. You're just kind of, you're just kind of in it. Just you're, telling the story. That's yes. Yeah. And, and, and that would be my vote. But if I had to go with just a film, a proper feature-length film, it would be Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction, obviously, is revolutionary for its storytelling, you know, its plot tropes and the way it's going about jumping around to different things and the timeline is all wacky and at the end of the movie you, you you understand what they're telling you and i think that's very important for a movie yeah 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 real quick what you just said i think is, is important I, I didn't really thought about this but uh the fact that they're just that they just tell the story i think that's part of the reason it stands the test of time because there's so clearly not a political bent to yeah. it either way because they're not condemning the people in these in, in, in this story for being like like relatively low income and like, but they're also not like ah shame on like everyone else because like these people are low income or whatever it may be. Just the facts. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there isn't like this, like, you know, like bend either direction. It's just like, this is the, this is a story and like make of it what you will discuss what you want to figure out what's interesting to you. And like discuss this with whoever you, you may have seen it with or whatever, or, or do something like, like what we're doing right now. Right. Obviously there's a ton of like talking points within it, you know, and like, and mm. things that can branch off or you can just watch it and be like, man, that's a crazy story. Like, you know, yeah. what a wonderful, you know, tale of like, you know, the American life or whatever. Um, that, that, yeah, because I, I, I actually think we don't really tell stories like that anymore. There's, there's so clearly an agenda behind most of the documentaries that are made because either like, we're going to show why this is bad or this is good or this is whatever. It's like, and, and sometimes those are worthwhile projects for sure. You know, yeah. like an Adam McKay movie, like, which I 
I like all of his movies and like I, I think he's like incredibly you know talented but there's there's a very hard left leaning bend to his stuff correct which you know I mostly align with but it's like I see why it's alienating to a lot of other people who watch it you know yeah. I, I get it because it's like okay this is clearly telling it clearly has an agenda you know um but you know whether, whether the agenda is like a worthwhile cause I, I I agree with but it's like you're gonna lose out you're gonna lose people because of because for of sure whereas this is like just tell the story just yeah. tell the story and then like we'll see from there you know and like maybe that's, I, don't, I shouldn't draw a line directly between Adam McKay's stuff and, and this. I know, I they're trying to do different things, but do you see what I'm saying? I think yeah. it's a good example. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, someone like Clint Eastwood is quite the opposite. Yeah. Is very much like, you know, taking, taking a conservative standpoint on things or, or, or John Wayne, you know, is like, okay, well, I think I know what you're thinking, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of filmmakers now are, are kind of showing their cards. And I, I, I like when a filmmaker is, is mysterious, uh, and that has a lot to do with, you know, just my personal, my personal taste, you know, so I'm going to be much more inclined to watch something by David Lynch. Who's like, fuck the politics. I'm just going to make cool stories. And like, that's just how it's going to be. Or, you know, I, I, I love a Tarantino or a Spike Lee, but it's like, okay, I get it. I get, <laughs> or an Adam McKay. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, but it, but it's, you're showing your, you're showing all of your cards right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I, I really know where you stand. I feel like I'm yeah. in the room with you right now. And, yeah. and, and that, that, that's, I don't know. There's, I, a, there's value in that. There is, there is, especially depending on the story, you yeah. know? Uh, but, you know, if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would have told the, told the true story, it'd be a completely different film, right? Yeah. It'd be a completely different film. And I, I, I do think there is something, it's worth bringing up, I think. And I think, obviously, with documentaries, you have, you have major, like a, major power. Well, you also have, like, a journalistic integrity like the yes uphold, you know what i mean it's like this yes. is not just like your opinion you know what i mean like like you're telling this story you know? yeah yeah i remember i remember finding out more stuff about you know the doc uh making a murderer and i was like oh they didn't talk about that whereas the other side mm-hmm. of of oh this guy actually might have done some some pretty fucked up stuff he might might have killed somebody but in the doc you're thinking man fuck you know mm-hmm. fuck the the da and all these people who are against him are out to get him and it's like well there's a whole other story and they don't really talk about it. Manitowoc County. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're totally against the powers that be yeah. when you're watching that yeah. when really they might've been right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that like, that should be brought up. Yeah. Or if you want to talk about basketball, the last dance to me is like, okay, yeah. get off Jordan's dick. Like, yeah. Oh my God. And Who that's the executive producer. Yeah. 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 When you're showing footage of him watching an iPad being like, yeah, they sucked. We yeah. will, we whoop their ass. It's like, if you would have been more in the middle about it, he'd look even cooler. Yes. And, and yeah, that's, that's the power of documentaries. It's like you, you, you have to pick a lane. And sometimes I think the best lane is in the middle is, is, is like hoop dreams is just kind of staying out of it. Not, not being a part of it. You know, Steve James is not like, Oh, let me get in this scene. You know, yeah. and he, he's, he's just there. He's, he's along for the ride and buy the ticket, take the ride is what Steve did. And I think that's the smartest way to go. I, yeah, I, I certainly think, you know, film editing, it should have won. And I obviously best documentary. I mean, it should have been nominated at least. Yeah. Well, that's what I could that's, Yeah, that but. sucks. That sucks. What's, uh, I, Connor and I always kind of do this, uh, just before we get to our own awards, but best picture. I mean, I know you've seen Pulp Fiction, of course. Oh, yeah. Shawshank and Forrest Gump. Have you seen Four Weddings and a Funeral? No. Or Quiz Show? No. So those, those are both fine. It's obviously between those three. Yeah. I mean, I love Quiz Show. Like, Personally, I think it's I think it's awesome. Love John Turturro in that movie, but uh, it's not like Shawshank or Pulp. But if it's down to those three, who who, who do you pulp. who 
Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Again, oh, yeah. Shawshank, no chance? Yeah, no, but I think I'm, Pulp's, yeah. Wow. I'm Shawshank, yeah. I love Shawshank. Yeah, I know I do too, but I, yeah, I'm a Pulp is... I, I'm with you. I, yeah. My vote would go to Pulp Fiction as well. Yeah. I, I, Certainly I always, not Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm not a huge, huge fan of Forrest Gump. I do, I do say sometimes, like we've talked about multiple ceremonies where it, it comes down to, okay, I like Pulp Fiction. Like, I, I like get my creative rocks off more when watching Pulp Fiction, but... Shawshank is like for everybody. Like Pulp Fiction yeah. might not be, you know, there might be someone who's like, mm, what the fuck? Like, yeah. That was fucked up. I don't really like the that. whole yeah. gimp scene, yeah. like not for me, yeah. but Shawshank is like, feel good. If you have a, if you yeah. don't have, if you have a pulse, like yeah. how are you not like into that? You know, uh, even if you're like, it's a little, you know, our brother Jeremy has been like, yeah, it's a little gimmicky, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's this Stephen King story. It's a, it's a little, it's a little cheesy at times. I get that, but I could see someone making the argument for like, this is a film when you think of 1994 that everybody likes, I think Shawshank, Shawshank is, 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 could, could be your answer. But I also, if I had a personal vote, it's, it's a hundred percent Pulp Fiction. I, I had, you know, I, what more do you need to say about it? Speed should be in there. I fucking love speed. Um, I, Connor got to talk about, talk about his, his Lion King. He's obsessed with that one. He's always thought it should have been. Yeah. Lion King's wonderful. In that yeah. group. Yeah. I, I'm not as big on Lion King. I think, I think because it's so, so, so clearly Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like some of the other Disney movies that I that I prefer seem a little bit more like creative and a little bit more, especially Pixar, uh, what they've done, I think is like a little bit more out there and, and trying a little harder to do something unique. Uh, but Lion King certainly has, you know, it's it's beautiful and the music is incredible. So, which it swept up here at this, this ceremony. Yeah. I always love looking at, looking at these. It's kind of a, the reason I like the Oscars is because it's context. It's yeah. And I'm the same way with basketball where I kind of need to know if I want to know about something like the, 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 you know, late eighties, early nineties, well, I need to know who was there. I need to know who won, what team almost won, who's the MVP. You know, I need to know all those things because yeah, it's, con- it's yeah. context, yeah. you know, how good, how good was Isaiah Thomas? You know, like I, I need to know those things just for my personal, it's just for my brain. Like I just need it. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to, talk about it or go on, go on with it. Um, that's just, that's just how it is today. I was at, you, you'll love this. I was at Freebirds uh, getting food with, with my coworker, Jeff. And we, uh, you know, Jeff's a, also a big, big basketball fan, huge MJ guy. And, you know, I, I've always been you know, love MJ, love LeBron, love, love all the greats, you know, uh, there's very few of them that I, I, I don't enjoy. And these kids, there are these three kids all in high school. They all go to a high school uh, uh, around where Freebirds is at uh, Johnson high school. They were wearing Johnson tennis, you know, and one of them was wearing a Johnson basketball shirt. And they were talking about how LeBron's like undisputed the goat or whatever, you know? And I was like, oh man. And one of the kids was like, I don't know, man. Like MJ just, he did his peak, you know? And I was like, this is great. They're like 15 or 16. And I said, what about Kareem? And the, one of the kids goes, he's pretty good. And Jeff goes, pretty good. <laughs> he was like, the guy's fucking incredible, you know? And so we started talking to these kids. And he's like, well, if you're going to go there, you got to go Will. You got to go Bill Russell. And I was like, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what about Magic and Bird? He's like, I don't know, man. They didn't play very long. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I was like, MJ didn't play very long. They're like, okay, okay. <laughs> and, and and the kid goes, what I think is people who were born in the you know 60s, 70s, or 80s are never going to let down that Jordan's the GOAT. They're never going to let it yeah. down. He's yeah. like, people who are born after actually look at what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Because Jeff was born in the 70s, so late 70s, so he's like very much a Jordan head and was like, 
no, man, like there's. I was there. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, like if you would have seen him on TV, man. Yeah. <laughs> As if we can't see YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really cool, but like, I, I'm like that. I'm like those kids. They're like yeah. I need that conversation. I need that context. That kind of like, let's figure it out. Even if it's useless, let's figure it out. Yeah, that's cool. I love that, man. I would have loved that conversation. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I have to chime in. I, yeah. Uh, and Cream's always been to me, well, not always, but past probably four or five years, as I look into it, if I'm trying to be unbiased, if I'm trying to just look at career, Cream, I think he has the best career overall. So I've always kind of wanted to throw him into the ring. Yeah, it's a holy trinity to me. There's a clear topic. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think a lot of smart people nowadays uh, agree with you. But um, let's, let's, get to these, yeah. okay, let's get to these awards. We have the Tarantino Award for best quote. Uh, we have the... Ennio Morricone Award for the best music moment, which this score is really cool from, from this movie. Uh, we have the, there's also a great soundtrack, so you can kind of choose either of those. Uh, then there's the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for best performance. Obviously for a doc, you're kind of just choosing your favorite person that, you know, appeared in the documentary, your favorite person. If you had to pick, how I look at it for when we did Mind in the Gap and we did Undefeated, it was like, if this had to be about one person, like who would you probably go with? Uh, and then the Roger Deakins Award was for the best scene or the best moment of the documentary. So I'll let you start and I'll, I'll finish this off. So we'll just go back and forth. Okay. Okay. Uh, can I start with the Ennio Morricone one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. I think the first public enemy drop where it's just like, okay, they're kind of putting us in this world. This is great. Yes. I mean, yeah. The score is great. But yeah, that's the first time where I was like, okay, like I'm, yeah, this is, this is going to be yeah. good. This era is like, so yeah, like, you know, rap is booming and yeah, that was, that was my favorite. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. I went. I went a similar route. I went with uh, "Turn Off the Radio" by Ice Cube when Arthur's in his room and he's mm-hmm. just he's just listening to it, and it has the audio bit from "Do the Right Thing," uh, which is just so cool. You know, it's such like interesting little. You know, this, there's also we've talked about how there's a lot of basketball stuff happening. Movies are changing like fucking crazy. You know, yeah. this is "Do the Right Thing." Boys in the Hood comes out in '91. You know, like black kids have movies to look up to, and that that's fucking huge you know that representation and i and i you know ice cube public enemy can't go wrong yeah that's a big one okay okay uh okay the psh award um okay i mean it it's hard to say you make it about any, anything but the two kids but i would go sheila arthur's mom i mean wow okay yeah, yeah. i love that yeah I she's mean, a hero yeah yeah, yeah I, what a beautiful like tale of like perseverance and just like um fierce love of her kids like fierce you know what i mean like and the scene where they and i'm, I'm so glad the movie did this and this is why like i totally get why one editing because like there's no they didn't have to include stuff about her or whatever it may be but they have this whole little bit about her you know becoming a nurse and you know graduating the top of her class and that little mm. group them singing the song it's like that little like she'd been kind of dragged through like through the mud through just like life circumstances for like most of the most of the film and then at the end we get that and it's like such like a triumphant moment of like okay yeah maybe these guys these two boys like careers didn't go like quite exactly how we all thought it might go but but she yep. won yeah she, she did she figured out a way to to better her surrounding and better herself through her own just like will and and desire to just like to just yeah to keep learning to keep like striving for a dream and, and chasing it you know what i mean I, that was so cool i thought it was like yeah maybe maybe this didn't go exactly how how you know, they wanted to, but, but for Sheila it did, you know, like, uh, and, and yeah, she, she, she obtained this dream that she had. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah. That's beautiful. I definitely thought about her. You know, I, I thought about a few people. I thought about obviously Will and Arthur. Uh, I thought about Sheila. And then I thought about just kind of, you know, cause sometimes, you know, Connor and I will choose a villain from a movie or 
someone who's like fucked up. And Curtis makes me think probably more than anyone. Um, so I thought about him as well, but yeah. ultimately I went with my gut. I went with Arthur. Uh, I love that kid. Like, even though he's, you know, a full grown adult now, um, I'll, I'll always see him as, as this, this young skinny Hooper that could have been like one of the coolest point guards ever. And of course that's one of, one of the, one of the best positions in sports, in my opinion, is, is someone who controls the pace of something. And, uh, he had, he had a cool tempo. I'll say that, you know, uh, he had, he had a weird understanding of the game and understanding of life because of his circumstances. But when he was on the court is really cool. And, uh, to go back to Isaiah Thomas on the bad boys, uh, also ESPN films. <laughs> I don't think it's a 30 for 30. I think it came out after they were done with the 30 for 30, uh, that bad boys one about the late eighties, mid eighties, late eighties Pistons, uh, and into 1990, they talk about Isaiah Thomas and they talk about how, when he was playing, it was like, he was running from something when he was on the court, like he didn't know exactly what it was. And I thought the same thing about Arthur. It's like, man, he has this crazy pace yeah. and speed to him. Well, and, he, and he wears number 11. Just yep. Like yeah. And, and had the nickname Tuss, just yeah. like Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And he put it on his shoes and it made me like Isaiah Thomas more, which is like the power, so, of, okay, actually, the power of Arthur. I had a note about that. I, I think, and I've, I've read this in other places and, and Isaiah Thomas himself has, has talked about being disappointed in how Michael Jordan didn't give back to the community of Chicago as much. He lived out in the suburbs. He didn't mm. go back in the summers and do stuff there. I mean, he did some stuff in North Carolina and, you know, did the occasional charity thing, but you know, Jordan was so about the marketing part and, you know, business. Like, you know, yeah, the business side where Isaiah really did. He was, and that's why he, he was so frustrated at sometimes Chicago's reception of him and their embracing of MJ, which you know, I get it. He's MJ winning them championships, you know, whatever, yeah. but, but, and, and Isaiah was playing for the rival. But I think I think Isaiah view that as a little bit of a slight because it's like, look, no, I'm the one who comes back here in the summers and I put on these free camps and I help these kids out. And you see him in the film; he comes in and does that little camp for the kids. Yeah, and he's decked out in his practice uniform and all that stuff. And it's like, I think he really cared about the community that he came from and like really tried to give back to it. Still no, does. I, I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely still does. And and then listening to Icons Club too. Um, oh, yeah. Which there's been some stuff about him. I mean, obviously he's had he's had some some issues in his life, but um, there's been some stuff that's come out about him that's like, okay, that's actually really interesting. I, I don't think he quite. I knew he. I don't think I knew how much he cared about like the generation that came after him. And you know what I mean? He, yeah. he really is he's an a, interesting guy. He's about yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting guy. Yeah. He's totally about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had a roller coaster with Isaiah Thomas as yeah. a basketball fan, but yeah, that's, yeah. I could talk about him for, for days. Uh, he's a fascinating dude. So, uh, okay. So, that's a, okay. Okay. so Tarantino and then, yeah, the Tarantino, yeah. and then Deacons. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I went with the talent scout who I, I'm trying to remember what his name is, but he's the one that discovers him in eighth grade and kind of like helps them get to um, St. Joe's. Uh, and here is the full quotes. Okay. He says, uh, this is at the end of the movie after like some of the stuff that's happened. And he, you know, they interview, it's right before I think he takes Arthur to that game. Cause remember that one mm. game, he, he actually takes him there. He, he drives him there. He says, I've got a bitter taste in my mouth about a lot of things that have happened. A lot of people accuse me of taking youngsters out of the city and taking them out to St. Joe high school. Uh, and they ask what I did, what I get out of the deal, a lot of racial slurs and so forth from my own people about me, about what I did. I still felt and feel that I was doing the right thing for that particular time. Sometimes I have second thoughts when I see the net results of what happened with youngsters. Mm. I thought that was just like a, wow, wow. Wraps everything. Yeah. 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 It's like, I mean, he, I think the intentions are sometimes good. And I think there are probably kids that he really, really did help that he took them out of a situation that was probably really dicey and to give them a little bit more stability and that helped. But I also think there were kids that I think he thought he was giving that to and actually negatively affected them. And he's kind of got to live with that, but I'm, we all have to live with stuff like that. You know, when we try to help people, especially if you're in a world where you're really trying to help people who, who 
you think need help. You know, it's like that. That's 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 tough, man. You have to live with a lot of different stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, yeah, I, re- I remember when I was watching it uh, a couple nights ago is when I watched it, and when you get to that point, you're just kind of you, you kind of need that. Mm-hmm. You're like, someone say something. <laughs> Yeah, someone fucking say something that matters uh, at the end of the film because you're just like this is this is madness. well. I think as he's saying it too, he's just very just. You can tell he's, he's conflicted. You know what I mean? He's like, I, 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 just, I don't know, I don't man. Know. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know if that was the right thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's he's an interesting cat, isn't he? Yeah, you can make a whole three hour yeah. doc about him. Uh, yeah, great pick. I I went with uh, Spike Lee's quote. You know, one of one of one of one of my heroes. at the camp. One of my heroes for sure. Yeah, they're at the the Nike camp, and they show Dick Vitale screaming and whatever doing his bit that like mattered zero but then spike lee comes out and says says some pretty challenging stuff and uh yeah i, I just i just thought it was thought it was incredible and this is again like fresh off do the right thing so you know this is a this is a hero an american hero at the time uh, you have to realize that nobody cares about you you're black you're a young male all you're supposed to do is deal drugs and mug women the only reason why you're here you can make their team fucking win if their team wins these schools get a lot of money this whole thing revolves around money. It's like, damn. <laughs> Love and hate. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Crazy how he's able to just, I mean, I'm sure there were people at the camp who are like, what the fuck, yeah. dude? Like, yeah. What's your problem? Like, and, did, I was like, yeah, you, you said American hero. I was like, to some. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, some people were probably yeah. really upset at that time with him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, he is so iconic, uh, obviously in the black community and, and as a filmmaker and, just what he's able to just the balls he has. Yeah, at that time he's much more of a provocateur. Than yeah. He is, you know, yeah. Too, now he's yeah. now he's mellowed out a little. Yeah, bit. He's, yeah. he's he's yeah. still making films, right? And he's making yeah. decent stuff. You know, Black Klansman's not bad, and uh, Defied Bloods is pretty good, and uh, he's, he's still he's still got it as a filmmaker. But man, he in the late '80s, early '90s, like whoa, boy, this guy, this guy was insane. You know, uh, I mean, Crooklyn comes out. One of my favorite Spike Lee movies comes out in 1994, and. Uh, just fascinating stuff. Yeah, the, that guy. That guy's fucking incredible. So I, I had to go with that when I when I saw him. I w- when I was younger and I watched this. I think I watched this in eighth grade for the first time, uh, and I, that went over my head, went completely over my head. Yeah. What like who's that? You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who's this? Who's yeah. this short guy with the glasses? Yeah. Like, it rings a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, the, the De- yeah the Roger Deacons. Here we go. Okay. So I I think I would give it to um, that short little bit. When we see Arthur's dad throw his jacket up in the air after they win that one playoff game, ah. because I think that's such a sign of like his personal evolution, because he obviously has you know quite a you know, and I, I, I definitely still feel quite conflicted about him. You know, once it was over, because even even in the success that Arthur was having, he was trying to interject himself into some of it. It's like you know, Junior or whatever, like rem- like reminder that like I or like he's accomplished what I never did. It's like it's always like part of him has to be there too. It's like no, this can just be about Arthur, like. Yeah, it's just Arthur succeeding. But I think he's there's just it's pure joy and just like how he celebrates. Like, how cool is this? I've like made it through some of this addiction stuff. Mm. Here I am watching my son win this game. And like nobody expected him to win. He's having so much fun and like this is just amazing. Look, this is like, a better drug. I, I have yeah. yes. I I I am safe right now and I can just have this moment of joy. You know that that was cool. Yeah, that is that's a great pick. Yeah, in a documentary that that's filled with moments like little moments that just keep happening on top of each other. Yeah, that that's a great pick. I, w- I went with a, like a proper scene, and it's when Bo and uh, Arthur are playing one on one, towards towards t- closer to the end of the film. They both have like their shirts off, and they're, it's like father son, just like animalistic. Like whoa, this is it's kind of scary. It reminds me a lot of this scene between Denzel 
and Young Jesus Shuttlesworth, another Spike Lee movie from 1998, clearly inspired by <laughs> inspired by this moment uh, in the documentary. That's just you're watching the dad. He got game. His name in that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's decent, decent flick. Uh, one of my favorite Denzel performances for sure. One of my favorite Spikes. Probably, probably my favorite second favorite Spike movie of all time. I do the right thing, but it's uh, it's such a cool look and dark and scary and all the thing you know all the emotions going through what gets so awkward yes everybody watching is like oh this you is can't do like, that bo like, he like, like really, fouls the shit out of him yeah. like really personal yeah yeah, yeah. well because he's like draining threes he's like let it rain yeah <laughs> which was really cool to see him like oh he's like he like had game like yeah. bo, bo probably was pretty damn good and then arthur's just like schooling him and then he's like oh i'm just gonna foul the shit out of him and it gets weird and man i thought about that people are weird <laughs> People, when they're put into situations like that, especially with the camera, get fucking weird. Yeah. And, and I thought that was like one of the more humanistic, wild, wild moments of the film that I, I just was like glued well, to the he, screen. Yeah. He, he, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, dude, Bo, read the room, you know? Yeah. Like, it's okay. Everyone's just like having fun. And like, this is such, it's this, like his This could be right such there. a fun moment of just like kind of some gentle ribbing. And like, he obviously is still good. He's still got it a little bit. And he's not that old either. I mean, such a no. thing too. He's like, you know, he, so it's like, you can, you can have your you're cake and eat it too here. You know what I mean? It's like, have some fun. Sure. Your son, you can still play a little bit, but he should get the last laugh. It's his moment. It's his, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, sh- it just showed the Arthur. And that's part of, you know, I mean, our boat, he's like, he wasn't capable of, of just like moving to the side. You know what I mean? And just being like, Hey, like this isn't about me right now. You know, mm. that's what that, that was such like, that was like his, you know, one of his fatal flaws. I mean, like, he just couldn't, he just couldn't do that. Even like, like I said, even in the moments where they're trying to accelerate him, sometimes it's like, Oh yeah. Like, remember he's a junior. He was like, or whatever. It's like, just little stuff. That's like, what's the point of yeah. saying that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. gosh. But then he also has the beautiful moment of of him telling him. He said, you know, he 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 said he loves me. You know, I know he's, that was yeah. yeah like, you can he feel he it. He hasn't vocalized it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, that's jeez. That that yeah, you could choose a lot of stuff for the for, yeah. for the deacons. Uh, yeah, there's there's some great moments in this. Uh, Hoop dreams. It's on it's on Criterion Channel. It's on HBO Max. Luckily, I own it, so I can always I can always throw it on no matter what. Uh, thanks, Connor. He bought me that uh, for my. Bought me that for Christmas, I believe, uh, on, on Criterion, like nice. the Criterion edition. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Last thing, real quick, before we wrap up, I have to shout the gear. The gear. I mean, I've mentioned it before. The jackets, the the Bulls hats, the jerseys, the incredible the Georgetown stuff. I mean, Georgetown obviously was like so big at this time, like you know the the Hoya paranoia and all that stuff, and especially in the black community. But oh yeah, um, John Thompson, baby. Yeah, yeah, but man, there's so many things. I was like, man, that would fetch a lot of money on eBay right now. Or yep. like, I would love to have that in my closet right now. Like, yeah, some of their gear was just like so, so, so dope. Yeah, but. fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was a lot of fun. There's there's some amazing, amazing stuff to talk about with Hoop Dreams. Uh, definitely definitely rewatch it if you haven't in a while. Uh. Tomorrow on Sneak Preview, we have Ambulance and Sonic the Hedgehog 2, along with a little bit about everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, on Wednesday, Filmgasm, Hook. There'll be uh, Connor and Colton tackling that movie. And then on uh, Beyond the Bad on Friday, Nothing But Trouble. Get ready to hear about some shit. And the next week on Oscar Sunday, Connor and I will be back together talking about uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 2. We're going to be doing a Harry Potter character Hall of Fame. It's going to be a lot of fun. We can't wait. So uh, stick with us this week.